Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and uh, tonight is the Texas show, guys. Welcome, all you Texas fans, hopefully. Hopefully there's a few of you listening to us. We haven't pissed you all off yet. Um, hopefully, you know, we got some of the other teams on here as well. We, we like to bring everybody together. Uh, joining me to the right here at the table is Kendall. Hello. Also across from me, we got Jockstrap. Hello. Uh, now, I guess also our social media coordinator to some extent. We'll be getting into that, uh, whether he likes it or not. Uh, on to the left of me, we got Colin. Hi, guys. So we got pretty much a full house tonight with the exception of Brady, which, I mean, at this point, I don't think anybody even looks for Brady to be on the show, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, so pretty much a full house tonight. Um, this show, obviously, we're going to dive into the Longhorns. Thank you guys who have been listening, and yes, you've been listening. We've been looking at the numbers. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys have already put us uh, over the top on several, as far as our average, I would say, goes for these type mm-hmm. of shows. Uh, and we grow every day. So thank you very much for that. Uh, also, if you're on iTunes, on Stitcher, whatever the hell else we use, I don't know, SoundCloud. Too many to name. Uh, 900 other thousand platforms. I think everything but Podbean just about we use. Oh, we use Podbean too. Oh, do we? Okay, oh. well then we're on Podbean too apparently. Uh, however you go about rating those shows, please do. Uh, we appreciate that. It helps us. Uh, it also helps show our uh, new partners, uh, the AC All-Americans, or Armchair All-Americans, whatever you want to refer to them as. Uh, it helps show them that we're doing well and people like what we're doing. Uh, and obviously that will help our relationship with them and on and on and on, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, thank you for doing that. Uh, obviously you have some choices out there in podcast and we appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, real quickly, before we get into Texas, uh, and uh, some of this will have a little bit to do with Texas. Uh, first I want to get into our news and announce our winners, uh, for the, uh, fan teams, the teams we asked you guys to put, uh, together. Uh, if you listen to the podcast and you don't really pay a whole lot of attention on Twitter, basically what we did was, uh, you know, a lot of our poll questions have to do with fights that we have amongst each other, uh, whether it's us and some of the fans. Usually it's us as a group, the Big 12 country staff. We have arguments on private messages you guys don't see constantly, uh, and that usually jumps up some kind of poll. This one was a little bit of an exception to that. Uh, it had to do with... I don't know, a combination of some podcasts I've been listening to, some tweets I had seen. You add a little bit of this, throw in a little bit of that, mix it all up, and this is what I came up with. Uh, we asked everybody to listen. Their, list their all-time Big 12 team uh, with the best position or best player at each position. So, for instance, we didn't ask for – and let me clarify. We didn't ask for all five offensive linemen. We asked for your favorite or best offensive lineman of all time in the Big 12, your favorite defensive lineman of the Big 12, et cetera, et cetera. We gave a little bit of uh, the caveat of, okay, a halfback or a fullback. You could do that if you wanted. Um, you know, there were some, some exceptions we threw in there. Punt returner, kick returner could be one single guy, you know, that kind of thing. Kicker, just one kicker in general, whether he was a punter or a place kicker, who was your favorite one, you know, on and on and on. So that's what this is. If you didn't pay attention to that on Twitter, we got a lot of responses, a ton of responses by far, or well, until the wide receiver poll that we put out the next day, <laughs> by far our most interactive poll that we had done to date. So we appreciate you guys to that. Anyway, long and short of it was, there's, what, I don't know, 10 or so guys on our staff at this point. Uh, we threw them all in a pile. Everybody that wasn't part of the staff, because there were a few mentioned that were staff guys, anybody that was not part of our staff was eligible to win. 
Uh, we had I had I asked everybody to give me their favorite four, and these that Jockstrapper are about to read off are the top four responses once we averaged it out. Hey, Doc underscore Texas, Bishop Sports Network, Justin underscore Smith, and Mac BZ four four one. All right, so you guys, if you recognize your name there, uh, you're in the top four. You will we will basically what I'll do is I'll. Either go find your tweet or take pictures of it or whatever. Excuse me, dinner's coming back on me there. Um, <laughs> they don't want that to go on the microphone. They might smell that at home. That was so bad. So anyway, uh, those four people, if we find, you know, we'll find your pictures or whatever, and we'll post it onto the message, and then we will have a Twitter poll again. We will list off, say, hey guys, these are your top four teams. You know, uh, do with that information what you will. Pick a winner. The winner will be the first ever to receive our uh, new T-shirt design we came up with, I think a while back, but we're just now putting into production. Uh, it's turned into the uniform lady or shirt lady or whatever. Uh, she does our uniforms also for uh, sports and things like that around here. She makes really nice quality stuff. She's going to you know, put our logo on the front uh, and then our slogan on the back for the True Big 12 fan. And also our hashtag will be on the sleeve, hashtag B12C, if I could freaking talk. Uh, we'll be on there. It'll be in black to start out with. Uh, eventually we will, I want to, Colin I think does too, and Kendall does I think too, eventually I want to roll out some team ones where, you know, we have Baylor green with the yellow outline on the logo and stuff like that. So eventually we'll get down that path when we get there. But for now they're black with our logo and, and go from there. So we will give that away as well as some stickers that we're having produced. I do honestly think before you hear from us again next week, you should have something out there on Twitter that shows you the sample. She's supposed to have it done by then and send it to me. So we'll get that out. We'll get your size, whoever wins. Uh, congratulations to you four, obviously, and good luck to you guys. And we'll see who comes out on top in that situation. All right, rolling on to the next thing. Uh, the Big 12. Sorry, go ahead. Did you want us to read off our teams? Oh, I forgot about that. I apologize, guys. Go ahead. Go ahead. List your teams away, starting with Kendall. What are your teams? All right, okay, my team. Um, I just did teams that are still in the Big 12. I didn't go to Nebraska, Missouri, teams that were out. So, I, you know, whenever I did, I just thought teams are still in the Big 12. So You did teams that are currently in the Big 12, yeah. but goes all the way Gives back the to their history of the Big 8 yeah. and all that kind yeah, of exactly. stuff. Yeah, exactly. The Mountain West and all that. Yeah, so. okay. So, um, at uh, quarterback, I have Baker Mayfield. Um, just – I mean, his numbers are crazy. Uh, running back, pretty simple. It's Barry Sanders, Ricky Williams. Uh, wide receiver, Michael Crabtree. Wait a minute. Was your halfback choice one of those? Well. Or did you just put them both I just both back? put them. Yeah. I, I, same damn thing. Okay. Uh, you know, to, to me it is. So, uh, wide receiver, Michael Crabtree. Uh, tight end, I put Keith Jackson, Oklahoma. Nice. Nice what, choice. Uh, offensive lineman, went, went old school here. I went uh, Jerry Sizemore from Texas. I mean, he's a what, two-time. Mm, All-American. Two-time All-American. Mm. You know, he was the first draft. They unanimous All-American. Yeah, twice, yes. Yeah. And so, uh, defensive line, uh, I went old school this one too, went Leroy Selman. Nice, I mean, nice. When you're, when you're the first draft pick of an entire franchise. Organization, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy for a defensive player. And I think Barry Sanders quoted as the best defensive player he ever coached or something like that along those lines. Yes. Uh, Barry Switcher, I said I said Barry Sanders. Yeah, it's Linebacker, uh, Mike Singletary, Baylor. Uh, nice, yeah. Yeah, I think he was overlooked by quite a bit of our polls, mm-hmm. but, I mean. Incredible. Think of linebacker, I think of him. Uh, then cornerback, uh, Terrence Newman of mm-hmm. Kansas State. Probably the number one choice by most people. Probably so. Um, sa- safety, Roy Williams, Oklahoma. Another top choice. Uh, kicker, I struggled on this one, but I, I, I ended up going with the Gramatica at Kansas State. Obvious, yeah. And then uh, punt returner, I, I went uh, Wes Welker 
Um, no, he's yeah, all, all-time leader in yeah. punt return yards and, and I touchdowns. I don't it's, know that we had a Wes Walker all the entire thing. I'm sure somebody probably thought threw it in there, and I've just overlooked it. But he was we got to the wide a, receiver poll. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, we got a crap ton of responses on this, and several that I probably didn't even get to all the way. So, if you did say Wes Walker, I apologize. But to my knowledge, off the top of my head, I don't think there was a singer, single Wes Walker, which really shocked me. All right, Jock Strap, you're up. Same your squad. thing as Kendall. I didn't do Nebraska or any of those teams. Loser. <laughs> Quarterback, I did Robert Griffin the third. In 2011, he led, he led, he led them to a 10-win season, only the second in, in team history, and he won the Heisman in the same year, and that's pretty big. Did you put he lost his ACL on there too? <laughs> and my running back, it's Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas. Homer. <laughs> Less, I mean, wide receiver, Justin Blackman. Homer again. <laughs> Tied in, Brandon Pettigrew. Good Lord, man. Offensive lineman Jamal Brown, defensive lineman Gerald McCoy, linebacker Derek Johnson, cornerback Chris Harris Jr., hmm. safety Earl Thomas, hmm. kicker Justin Tucker, hmm. and kick returner Tavon Austin. Not bad. Pretty good. Pretty good squad. All right. So for me, I had Vince Young at quarterback, Adrian Peterson running back, Barry Sanders halfback. Justin Blackman, wide receiver, pre-arrest Brandon Pettigrew, <laughs> Trent Williams at offensive line, Indomitian Sue defensive line, Derek Johnson Those linebacker. Those big hands came in handy. Terrence Newman, cornerback, safety Roy Williams, kicker Dan Bailey, kick return Darren Sproles. Nice, nice. Good job, guys. Appreciate that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, moving on to the next list, or the next two. Uh, Brady didn't give us her, his list, did he? Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next uh, little bit of news and notes before we get into Texas here. Uh, this week, as you guys know, coming up, or I say this week, this coming week, as you guys know, kind of, in my opinion, the, the actual kickoff to the football calendar and season, we got Big 12 Media Days coming up. Again, I uh, still don't realize why the idiots scheduled at the same time as SEC because you know it's going to get overcast, but – Bump to Fox Business. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, I think Facebook might be the leading ones there covering it. It's that bad because everybody's going to be in uh, Birmingham or Atlanta. Atlanta's where they have it uh, covering SEC Media Day. So, yeah, it sucks because we lose some TV time we would have, uh, and I really enjoy watching it and, and doing all that. So we'll see. Uh, but anyway, uh, going into that, obviously we you pull the media, get the media's response, and I say the media, the Big 12 media, uh, people only covering the Big 12 we're asked to give their votes for how everybody's going to finish in the mm-hmm. league, obviously. Uh, and then we're asked to list their, you know, preseason all-conference selections and all that. So uh, we will get into that and read that off real quick if you guys would like. Uh, let me make sure I got the right page pulled up here because I pulled up the wrong one. Here we go. Okay. Uh, as far as the teams go, um, well, I'll get your, your take on this after I read it. So here we go. In case you missed it, one through ten. Here are the selections by the media and votes that were, you know put them in this situation. Number one, Oklahoma again overwhelmingly. Um, I think Mayish, Juneish, somewhere in that ballpark. This would not have been this this big of a gap. I don't think a lot of hype was being centered around West Virginia, especially coming out of the uh, the spring, uh, especially before Kyler Murray signed again, or before the Kyler Murray situation was figured out. I would definitely say West Virginia was a bigger, more favorite than they are now. Not necessarily that they would outdone Oklahoma, but I think Kyler Murray coming back to Oklahoma kind of settled a lot of nerves there. So 
they had uh, 46 first place votes uh, for a total of five. They had a total of 509, I guess, points is how that is. So uh, second was West Virginia, 432, and they got two first place votes. That's all they got. Their average out when you add it all up, two first place votes. TCU was third with one first place vote. Texas was three uh, had 370 total points in fourth place with one first place vote. Oklahoma State 300, zero first place votes for the Cowboys. Number six, uh, Kansas State, two first place votes, uh, 283 total score there. Um, interesting here. I know one of the first place votes. Uh, it was a gentleman that works for the Longhorns uh, Telemundo or whatever. Uh, what do you Spanish call it? Spanish account. You know, their whatever you call that uh, account there. He does that. Their radio. So Spanish radio for them. He's been a longtime follower of us. Uh, one of the originals. Uh, one of the guys he that was. got our, our name out there. Uh, we love him to death. He does a great job for us, helps us out, also sends us a lot of information. Has actually sent us some things um, in uh, direct message months ago that were inside info stuff that we got before anybody else did. So, you know, he's he's been pretty good to us. He was one of the first place votes. The other one I still haven't looked that hard, but I don't know who it was. It hasn't been out yet. I'm sure it's probably somebody in the KSU media, I would think. Uh, I can't think of anybody else out there that would have done this. So, anyway. Um, they they got two first place votes with a total score of 283. Number seven is Iowa State with zero first place votes. Uh, Tech zero first place votes at number eight, which is interesting because I think this time last year a lot of people had them last and maybe even overwhelmingly last. I think we did. We were absolutely shredded yeah, because of that. We killed them. Yeah, we killed them and put them down there. Well, we didn't. In our defense, we had no idea they were going to discover defense after a hundred years. Uh, nine Baylor uh, with a total score of 125, which I would say is a team to keep your eye on. Ten Kansas with a total score of only 52 points. Didn't also, even make it to 100. 800 to one odds to win the conference. Kansas is yes, 800 to one. I mean, you know that's free money if somebody's don't have to bet on it for the for the house there. But um, you know, my throw 20 bucks on it and you never know. <laughs> See, maybe we have uh, nine torn ACLs throughout the rest of the league. So, all right, guys, that's the uh, that's the uh, team rankings there based on the media. Uh, bitch, feel free to bitch. Any problems? Any issues? I, I think for the most part they got it right, man. I. Myself personally, I'm going to put West Virginia down a bit lower. I don't think they finished second. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're as good as that. I'd probably have TCU second. Mm-hmm. Probably bump Texas up. Probably have West Virginia fourth. That's exactly what my top four. Yeah, exactly. I think OSU's probably in the right spot. I mean, in the middle, it's kind of flip or flop. You know, it's they're all about the same. I'm kind be, of with U2, Baylor. Maybe finishes a little bit better than they did last year. Obviously, I'll be honest. I think two through about six, maybe two through five. Well, I think is, you got to include Kansas, or Iowa State in there. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, we'll see with Iowa State. I think State. there's a bunch of eight definitely. and four teams. But definitely two through definitely two through five or so, but I could see two through seven also. Guys, that's that's a coin flip. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I don't want to say two through seven is I think whoever ends up two ends up being two clearly. So maybe we shouldn't tie them in. I just don't know who that is yet. Uh, the teams listed two through seven in any order you want to be, I think you're going to finish pretty close. But I do think, like I just said, whoever that number two team is, is going to be on a separate tier by themselves, I think. I think it'll be Oklahoma, likely. Then the next tier will be whoever that number two team is. And then the next tier will be three through seven-ish or three through somewhere in that ballpark. Now, I will say one thing that stood out as people started releasing their individual votes. I saw several people that had Oklahoma State ninth. 
That wow. kind of shocked me. Wow. I think that's, uh, and I think Tyler, the guy that works with us, he had Oklahoma State night. I mean, does that shock you? No, but that's that's too low. Man. No, I'm sorry. definitely. I, I think, um, you know, not that Oklahoma State's initially overridden with blue chip talent, but no, but I think um, seventh is about the, the floor. The system, the coaches, what they've had there, what they still have there. The decent recruiting they've done, the fact that they've been able to outcoach the recruiting rankings, I think all that adds up to give them the benefit of a doubt. I just don't see nine, man. That's you're talking about if they finish That's nine. That's like don't make a bowl game. If you're talking, if they end up nine, you're talking like three wins. And I just, I think that's about what ninth place is going to be in this league. About three wins, and I just don't see it happening. No, you guys? No, no, I definitely don't. And I, I think Iowa State is probably a little too low. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm a little bit higher on the most. I've, I've kind of thought that too. I mean, they're bringing back the quarterback. They, they, the running backs may be the best one in the league. Their defense is going to be better. I mean, I, I just feel like they're they got a chance to to finish in the top half for sure. I, mm-hmm. I just don't see them at seven. To me, I I, I see them at five or above yeah. in this. But I mean, that again, like you're saying, three through seven could that all them teams are kind of right there mashed together. So mm-hmm. I, we we don't know what's going to happen really. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah, to me, it was hard two through five. It was, it was. I I was thinking for about thirty minutes on my list. <laughs> no, we're definitely. Just through two through five. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I, uh, you know, I'd be curious if Oklahoma State's number nine by a lot of people. You said, where do you guys have Who Oklahoma State? I, I have them seven. Yeah, I again preseason. Yeah, preseason. I have them at five, but I mean, I could see him finishing three, and I could finish, see him finishing seven. I mean, I I have him right in the middle of of that that batch. Well, here's the people. problem. Here's the problem too with these poll. This poll, as I see it, um, a lot of people interviewed it or interviewed for it uh, on radio, uh, local radio, national radio, national articles, and all that stuff. Several of these Big Twelve media people. I saw so many different answers for their criteria, and what I mean by that is some of these people put where they think the team's going to finish at the end of the year. Uh, they think, you know, for instance, Oklahoma will be number one, and they think West Virginia would will be runner-up. Um, some people, I don't know, to me it says preseason poll. So to me, where are they uh, yeah, I'm voting where are we going into the season with. That's how I'm voting. Could that change? Yes, obviously, but that's the way I would do it. So, you know, I would be careful and keep that into consideration because clearly – Several of these votes had to do with, and I think that Kansas State one might have even been in that case, at least one of those votes. Where they think, and again, I don't think Kansas State's going to win the league. Not that they couldn't. I don't think they will. I think that's where one of the first place votes, at least one of them came from for them. And and I would say this, as far as Kansas State goes, this is the type of year that Bill Snyder can do some damage in this league, where where there's not as many highly touted quarterbacks his his style of ball game where it's more run ball control good defense th- those type of this is where the, the he, you know his he usually shines and they've got know. a solid team it's not right, like they're right, not returning exactly. anybody they're returning some talent right. there so it ain't like they're just gonna you know they're gonna sneak up on some teams because clearly people aren't taking them that seriously but in terms of you know is this just a crappy team on paper no it's a very solid team on paper they're yeah. returning a lot of people so and they're recruiting a little bit better in the last year or so. So, in terms of talent, now total they still haven't got a very big class this year. But they, you know, they're winning some recruiting battles against kids that they haven't done in the past. Uh, so anyway, that's what that situation looks like. Uh, moving on here to the players, uh, to me that's a little more interesting, uh, and I think it will be a little bit more interesting to y'all. Uh, real quickly here. Let me get my computer plugged in. Sorry guys for the pause there. <laughs> my computer's gonna die mid-show if we don't do this. So, okay, there we go. A little technical difficulties. All right, now we're good. Now, looking at the teams here, 
you know, the teams with the players here. Uh, starting out with on offense, I'm assuming all of you guys know who the quarterback was, obvious. Um, the thing I thought was interesting, I don't know about you guys, there were three running backs on this, this team. Uh, yeah, I thought it was odd, too. That hasn't happened in years. Now, according to the paper, uh, the explanation for that is there was a tie in the votes, uh, which I think is understandable given these three names. I think there's one more name you could throw in there with the uh, running back at uh, TCU, possibly. But, again, I think any doubt for him has to do directly with the fact that their offensive line could be a little iffy, not necessarily him. So, Let's go through that real quick. Will Greer was your quarterback for first-team all-preseason selection, all-conference selection. Your three running backs, as we just stated, David Montgomery, Rodney Anderson, Justice Hill. Now, obviously that's three very good ones. I ask you this. Do you guys think there's a better trio or three or four four or five if you go outside just these three in the league? Is there a better set of running backs in the country in another conference? Mm. Uh, I mean – Oh man, I know they're good. They are. You put them on any of the other teams, they're mm-hmm. they're they're good on those teams too. I mean, yeah. I think with you know, obviously at at uh, Georgia, you had the exodus, exodus of Chubb and uh, Michelle, Michelle, and you know, on and on and on. There's been some, there's some good running backs in the SEC, some very good ones. Also, some pretty solid ones in the Pac-12 too. Also, some pretty good ones in the Big Ten. To me, there's not a better set of backs than either if you take the top three here trio, or if you go look at the say the top five in our league and put them up against anybody else in the country, I don't think there's a better set of running backs in the entire league. And that's that right there is a major dynamic and storyline for this league going forward this year. And how does that play out? What does that look like? How much does it change these offenses? How much does it change some of the results in this league? How much does some of these, these uh, teams become run first? Uh, obviously, you know, Oklahoma's been very good at running people over with their running game in the last four or five years. Um, uh, ISU, Iowa State. I thought at times, I don't know about you guys, got away from Montgomery a little bit more than I was comfortable with seeing them do. But for the most part, definitely I would say, maybe not necessarily run first team, but they definitely rely on the run a lot. Justice Hill, Oklahoma State, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I know general perception in Oklahoma State, they throw the ball over the yard and it's a kind of a pass-first offense. Is that true? Well, I mean, he led the Big 12 in rushing. I mean, it, he, but here's the thing. That, that's what makes it really playing quarterback, too. Mm-hmm. So this is how much be, we're th- opened up that won't be opened up this year. It's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting discussion. I mean, like, I, I, I feel like the kid's a good running back. But, I mean, uh, you know, if, if they're able to kind of focus more in on the run game, does that does that change the dynamic? Mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's going to be a really interesting year for him, for sure. I, I, but I think he's a very good running back. There's no doubt. Yeah, I'd agree. I think they're going to run the ball more this year. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to see that more throughout the league. Uh, wide receiver, Denzel Mims, Baylor. I have no problem with that. Dude was incredible last year. I think with mm-hmm. Burr playing the whole season now, he's going to have some excellent numbers. Uh, next wide receiver, Marquise Brown, Oklahoma. I think – I mean, there's not a better home run here in the league probably that I can think of. Uh, if you just want to get a glimpse of him, I still say this is maybe the best play to sum him up. Uh, at least his speed and ability in terms of what he can do on the field. That long touchdown against Oklahoma State, watching him – the field. Yes, yeah. watching him hit that seam and then pull away from a set of defensive backs that by all means can run and run fairly well and just watch him eat them up and burn them up. If you want to see what uh, Marquise Brown's all about, Hollywood Brown, whatever you want to refer to him as, if you want to see what he's about and what his game's about and why the NFL is drooling over him right now, that play right there sums it up. Uh, he was just voted by – uh, I think it's Pro Football Focus or whatever that website is, the number one receiver in the country to keep your eye on this year for the NFL next year. So that is all about his home run speed. Seals, 
uh, you know, obviously we know about his situation, past and present. Great, I think, great hands. Wouldn't you guys agree? Uh, able to pull in a lot of rece- or a lot of touchdowns. Um, I think get the next level if he gets drafted and probably will. He's going to be more of a possession type receiver. I think getting some first downs and touchdowns and things like that. But right now in college. It just seems to find him when they need a touchdown, whether it's 50 yards or rather than the red zone. Uh, the ball just seems to find him. So definitely a weapon in scoring touchdowns around the red zone. That said, all that said, I don't think you guys anywhere near that this year. Um, to no, me – I was about to say, I don't, yeah. I don't know that Greg Jennings isn't the best – or yeah. whatever Jennings Oh, is. yeah, I don't necessarily think Sills is the best receiver yeah, on the team. I think Jennings may be the best receiver um, on the team. I know that's going to make a lot of West Virginia fans mad, but I think a lot of them are jaded in terms of – they're too close to the situation. They just see seals. They see touchdowns. Oh, he's the greatest thing ever. Okay, he's a good wide receiver, but in terms of what he does physically at the next level and what he brings outside of his hands, a little bit of ability to jump, he's just there's nothing he's done on tape yet that just overwhelms you. So that's that's why I think you could be right. Jennings, somebody else could be the better receiver on that team. Um, but still, is not taking anything away from him. I just I don't want to say last year was a fluke because that's not fair to the kid. But I'll, I will I will backtrack on all this and eat a lot of crow if this ends up being false. But I just don't see any way in hell he puts up the same kind of numbers he did last well, year. Well, just remember last year he had – I think he ended up with like 950 yards receiving. Yeah, versus all those touchdowns. Yeah, he didn't even have 1,000 yards. If he doesn't have yeah, 16, exactly. 17 touchdowns, mm-hmm. he didn't even talk about No, exactly. That's my point. Uh, right there, so that's fluky. my point. When people talk about – um, well, he should have been in the Blitnikoff. No. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, he caught a lot of touchdowns. Some of that's just happened to be chance and where he caught them. Some of it was, again, when you don't even have 1,000 yards as a receiver in the Big 12 in 2018, you didn't have a good enough number. I'm sorry. Uh, not taking anything away from the kid. He's good. And yeah, he could definitely. have a really good year. He could have a better year and just not be anywhere near in terms of touchdowns. Right. I so, you know, if he turns around and has a – 12, 1,300 yard receiving year wouldn't shock me at all. I just don't think he's going to be anywhere near the same number of touchdowns, at least not the same rate he caught him last year. Uh, moving on, tight end, Calcaterra. Um, there was some, some even people here in Oklahoma who didn't agree with this. Um, the problem I had with that was, if not him, then who? Yeah. You know, uh, okay, you have a problem with Calcaterra because he didn't play a ton of games last year. But what we did see of him, he stepped up huge as a freshman. The Ohio State game obviously can point to that, on and on and on. Um, you know, he's the next Mark Andrews type. I mean, I think he's a little bit longer, a little bit leaner. Uh, will be He will look even more like a receiver than Andrews did. But, um, you know, all in all, I think he's a hell of a tight end, and I don't know who's better if it's not him. Well, and I will say, based on this entire list, he's the one guy that you're trying to project – you're having you're having to work to project the outcome of the season because I mean mm-hmm. the other ones they've done stuff in the in the last year or two to kind of put them here. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the one that you're you're trying to project. He's exactly. going to be the big guy. So it's and like I said, he showed some things last year, just not near enough uh, to just automatically throw him in there. And you know his size part of that six four two twenty, which I think he's probably going to end up coming in bigger than two twenty because he's really yoked up this last year. But again, yeah, big tall kid, good tight end option. Um, Dalton Reisner, offensive lineman, Kansas State. Bobby Evans, in my opinion, probably the most overlooked offensive lineman last year in the entire conference. And I don't mean that from terms of people were talking about him, but people just didn't understand what this guy did because of Orlando Brown. Uh, He locked down the backside of the best offense in the league last year. Uh, and just, I mean, nobody got through from defensive end. So keep your eye on that name. He's going to be shifting to left tackle this year, and he may fall off the face of the earth. I don't think that's going to happen. The dude's got a nasty streak in him when he pun- he punishes people. 
Uh, if you have a chance, go back and watch some of the tape from Oklahoma last year and watch what he did to some really quality defensive ends, especially from TCU. He abused those boys every time they played them. Uh, Ohio State, same thing. He ran right over the top of them in several cases. Uh, ben Powers, a guard from Oklahoma, um, you know, pretty good. I'm not quite I, – I think this also was a, a, of a case of if not, then who. Um, he brings a lot of experience. He's very good player. Don't get me wrong, very good player. Um, you know, I'm not sure he – I, I think, again, a little bit of this might be potential for him. Uh, Marcus Keys, um, offensive line Oklahoma State. That name, I just don't – I think – was he the one that was the really good guard you had last year that dominated a lot of people? He was yeah. the only one that really showed up on tape. Yeah, he's he's the guy that they picked up from Louisiana Tech, decommitted from Tech mm-hmm. on okay. signing day. And mm-hmm. Came in. His dad actually played for Chicago Bears, so he has NFL pedigree. So, yeah, okay. he's, he's really good. He's the one that kept showing up on the run game right. and stuff yeah, and blocking. He's an NFL okay. guy. Yeah, I know who he is. Okay. Um, Yanni Kajust, West Virginia, also another very good name, mm-hmm. uh, very good player, uh, definitely deserves to be on here. Uh, at 6'5", 320, another one of those tackles that, you know, just seem to grow on trees nowadays, especially in this league. Uh, it's There's nothing but 6'5", to 6'8", 300 to 350-pound linemen out here now on tackle spots. Uh, and the way they listed this in between, uh, place kicker, Austin Seibert, Oklahoma. Um, again, if not him, then who? I think he probably – I mean, not that he doesn't deserve. He's very good to be on this list, especially when you take into the fact he does both and does it all well. I would love to see Oklahoma split that up and give anybody else the ball. And it may be the munching kid this year, or however you say his name, uh, you know, Munchow or however the foreign kid. Supposed to be really good was the number, I think, one punter in the country when he came in uh, last year. So uh, this, you know, maybe he takes some of that punting duties away from Cyber. We'll see. Uh, kick return, punt returner, Kavanti Turpin, hell of a return man. Again, how is this guy still in school? Um, if you're like a lot of us that, you know. It's the Perry Ellis of college football. Yeah, if, not, if you're not watching, if you're not a fan of TCU, you're pulling your head out of this guy. You're tired of hearing about him, tired of seeing him. Uh, you know, as an Oklahoma fan, I'm sick of looking at him. Uh, you know, again, the guy's just dangerous as hell. Obviously, the question to him is, will he stay healthy? You know, does he get nicked up? Because he is a small guy. Uh, they've got him listed at 5'9", 157. I've heard from some people on message boards and stuff that um, that referee some of the games. Uh, he's he's 157 pounds soaking wet, maybe. So, we'll see. I don't know. Kid, and I don't know that he's 5'9", either. Maybe in cleats. So he's small. He takes he's kind of a McCleskey type, I would say, right? McCleskey's probably a little bit bigger than him, though, right? Yeah. I think McCleskey's about 5'10", 170 something, probably. So anyway, there's that. Uh, going on to defensive lineman Jaquan Bailey, Iowa State had a very, you know, had has a chance to have a very good year, I think, this year. Uh, did all right last year out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Daniel Wise, Kansas. Somebody keep an eye on. Yeah. Yep. Had um, him and uh, the linebacker uh, from Kansas. Goldenine. Uh Yeah. They together made quite the tandem, uh, stopping up the middle and making tackles and stuff like that. Um, uh, Jordan Brelford, Oklahoma State, another very good player. Um, you know, look for him to, to to add to his stats this year. And he's only a junior this year. I didn't realize that. I thought he was a senior. He had a medical red shirt. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize Brelford did. Okay. So yeah, it seems like he should be a senior too. 
Ben Banigou, obviously a big name. Stud. Uh, Stud. Yeah, just I by far I'd say the most talented on this list. Uh, we had one more, apparently running a five-man front here in the Big 12. Uh, <laughs> Brecken, no teams, <laughs> <laughs> we're running. We got Brecken Hager here, Texas. Uh, you know, if you're uh, opposing fan of Texas, you're sick to death of the kid. Tired of hearing about him. Tired of his damn hair. You know, tired of everything about him. If you're a fan of Texas, you love the guy. Uh, motor that just won't quit. Drives you crazy. Yeah. Will constantly get after your quarterback. I mean, that's the best compliment you can give to somebody. He just does not give up and does not tap out. He, so He's the classic guy. You'd love to have him on your team, mm-hmm. but you hate him on all the other teams. Yep. Yeah. Can't stand him. That motor that just won't go away. You, he's like that fly at the at the dinner when you're trying to eat out there at, by the lake at your campsite, your picnic table, and you just won't stop bugging you. Same kind of guy. Uh, obviously from Texas, 6'3", 255. Um, I don't know. 6'3", to me, seems a little generous for him, but we'll see. They got enlisted there. Um, jo- uh, on linebacker, Joe Deneen, hell of a player. We just talked about him. Hell of a player. Uh, hell of a player on a team that nobody watches. Um, you know, would love to see if you guys get a chance to watch KU this year. I know it could be tough for some of you. Still, watch it. Kid's a hell of a player. They do have a few quality players on that team that are NFL caliber mm-hmm. and are fun to watch. Mike Lee, for instance. Mike yeah. Lee, yeah. And when you're on a team like that where you are NFL caliber, you stand out big time on film usually. So, Watch that, and if not, then there's trouble. But, yeah, watch that. Uh, watch them if you get a chance. Watch Janine. Watch um, uh, Wise. Wise. And, you know, watch those two together in tandem and what they do to offenses. It's pretty good to watch. Next in line, Dakota Allen, Texas Tech. Um, you know, maybe the best defensive player in the league. I don't know. Is there anybody that wants to dispute that possibly? There could be better ones, but I'm saying possibly. Uh, maybe not definitely, but possibly the best defensive player in the league. A uh, little bit, I don't know, I guess he's not undersized. 6'1", 235. Uh, from what I've been told, he's six foot. I don't know if he's six foot one or not, but if he is only six foot, that could be the only thing that really sets him back in the draft because he's going to get drafted by somebody. Uh, just makes a shit ton of tackles. I mean, just always in the hole, always getting after running backs, uh, tackles guys well in the space. So definitely keep an eye on him. Uh, David Long, Jr., um, probably the unspoken leader of that that uh, West Virginia defense, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, supposed to be back after what was it, shoulder 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 mm-hmm. surgery or shoulder something surgery. like that. Uh, all the articles we've read, everything we've seen from him, he's going to be back, healthy, ready to go. That's a quote from him himself. He will be ready to go. Skyler confirmed that too. Uh, Skyler confirmed that too that he'll be ready to go on the West Virginia show we did. So watch out for him. Another definitely NFL caliber quality linebacker if he's healthy. Uh, again, size, the only thing really holding him back, I think, in a draft, 5'11". You know, maybe he's 5'11", maybe he isn't, but 5'11", 220, uh, could hurt him a little bit. Uh, and he, he could end up being a safety in the NFL, to be honest. I mean, I, that, I could easily see that. Uh, although the NFL is going to some of the college model with more lighter, smaller linebackers. So, uh, defensive back, real quick, rounding them out. Brian Peavy, Iowa State. Uh, Kendall Adams, Kansas State. Chris Boyd, Texas, obviously a big name. Uh, Deshaun Johnson, Texas Tech. They had some solid defensive back play last year, so we'll see how that carries out. Justice Parker, Texas Tech. Uh, and then punter was Austin Seibert. So Austin Seibert did place kicking and punting. Again, he does both at OU. So. You went to awards for that? Did you get two trophies? You could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you could in theory, yeah. <laughs> Technically, you could in theory if you did that, yeah. Um, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway for me, three defensive players from Texas Tech on this list, guys. That yeah. How about a combined five from Kansas and Texas, and Texas Tech? Exactly. Well, yep. Well, here's here's another one. No one from Oklahoma on the list. Yeah, defensively, I noticed that too. 
I mean, when 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 was the last time the Big Twelve didn't have an Oklahoma player on defense? Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure that there shouldn't have been, but there definitely shouldn't have been very many if there was you know any omissions. But I I definitely uh, here's the problem with Oklahoma they're facing too. A lot of their talent and their their really stud guys are new. Yeah, they're young. young. Yeah, we don't know anything about them yet. Mm-hmm. We know they're badasses off the field because of what we brought in. They are some of them that caliber of recruit that you just assume greatness it's going to happen and that gives you brendan rally hiles the big 12 newcomer of the year that was voted uh bookie as a lot of you people know him by uh he is came in as a corner out of img by way of california uh, eventually went to img in florida but originally from california um just a, I mean a badass if you have a chance to watch the kid play in high school and in the all-american games uh, if you listen to the quotes from some of the players at the All-American Games, the way they talk about the guy, uh, it's hard not to assume greatness for this kid. He He's one of those guys that even in that setting, among those kind of players, he still stands out. He still goes and gets people. He gets after him, does what he needs to do. So um, I have a feeling opposing teams get used to that name. I have a feeling you're going to hate that kid by the end of the year. I really do. Um and he, again, he was voted Newcomer of the Year this year, our preseason Newcomer of the Year this year. So we'll see how he does. Um, here, here, I have a question for you guys on this. Do you guys think this is like you should give praise to Texas Tech coaching staff, you know, for, for getting three players of defensive? <laughs> or, or is this is this – you're going with this. Or is this kind of a, a look on the league being like uh, defensively or, or, or is our league down? I mean, we kind of said before it's kind of down, but I mean, does this kind of like throw a red flag up to you? I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know which. I'm just... I, I look. I honestly, I know this is kind of an easy answer, but I think it's a little both, and here's why. I think Tech has come up a little bit defensively in what we've seen from them in the last year or two, so that that is a little bit of a statement by them that we're a little better. Um, what concerns me a little bit more is why haven't they been better? If that's the case. Even defensively, even just overall in general, why are they not winning more games? If that's truly the case, that they're they've got three legitimate big, you know, Big Twelve caliber players in there. But obviously, I look at it too as yes, the league is down defensively, and that's not that's an, not just a general. St- I mean, that's not just a uh, you know, duh. It's been that way for a while. I think it's a little bit more. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I think the league's just down this year because of youth, and I think that shows up even on defensive side of the ball. I think that's a lot of it. I don't know about you, Colin, but. I feel like a lot of what we're seeing this year is just a young league. And the playmakers for these teams are young. Oklahoma, especially, more than maybe anybody, is going to be rolling out some youth on defense that, unlike the likes we've seen since the early days of Bob Stoops, when he came in with and recruited all those really badass players right off the bat and started playing a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, that's kind of what we're going to see from them. TCU uh, returned some key uh, names, you know, on defensive side of the ball. But, again, they're going to be playing some youth due to the – like we talked about Melissa, due to the fact that they've recruited better. They're going to be doing that. Oklahoma State played some youth last year. I would expect still year. to do it again this year, especially sophomore class is going to be, you know, making an impact for them. Um, I don't know. That's just the way I look at it. I think a lot of it has to do with – because if you look up and down this list, what do you see on defense, junior or senior, on every one of these? Yeah. Um, and – I honestly think some of these guys are going to get outplayed by sophomore and freshman, and we just don't know it yet. Uh, haven't seen it yet, but it's going to happen. Uh, league-wide, I think Texas, they, while you know bringing back a pretty solid defense, is another group. You're going to see some key names that were freshmen out of those recruiting classes. Yeah. And it's because the league's recruiting better. 
I've been saying it for about two years now, and it's starting to show up. The league is recruiting better, and you will see that from signs of all the impact from freshmen and sophomores right now, or redshirt freshmen, or et cetera. So get ready. So I don't know if that answers your question, but to me, I think that's part of it. I think it's part of it because, you know, if you look at this, you have what? One, okay, two Texas guys on what was the best oh, – you guys say that's the best defense in the league last year? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, best defense in the league last year, you only have two names on that, and they returned some decent players. I think a lot of that shows just, again, the signs of TCU, who has been traditionally great on defense in this league, one player. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, he's yeah. really good. But what I'm saying is, they, you know, years past they would have had more regardless. I think you're, again, it's just a youth movement you're seeing in the league. I think you're this year you're going to see all the stars of the next couple of years play out this year in the league. So I don't know that if that answers your question, but that's kind of what I think about it. Um, so anyway, that's your uh, your Big Twelve players of the year. Your uh, or your preseason players of the year, all conference players. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, and then your uh, poll on how everybody will finish. Uh, real quickly, anything else, news and notes before we get into this Texas uh, matchup here, or this uh, Texas preview here real quick? No. Uh, anything, oh, before I forget, again, reminder, we will post that. Go put it on the poll. Uh, your results will be posted the next day or two. Next week, we'll do Kansas State. Also, um, we will try, I will try if I can come up with one before I forget. Try to list the poll next week, too, for a giveaway. Or, you know, we'll try to do that a few times leading up to the season, so... Anyway, if you guys are good, well, then we'll go ahead and roll into this interview with Will Bazer real quick. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and dive into the 2018 Longhorns here, doing our season previews, as you guys know by now. Uh, this is the next team in the group. Uh, joining us and helping us out, we are blessed to be joined by Will Bazer. Sorry, Bazer. I knew I was going to say that wrong when I read it. Will no Bazer, worries, how bro. you doing, it's, man? It's, it's classic. It's, it's what happens every time somebody <laughs> tries to see my name. I don't know. Immediately. It, it's like cool. your it's like your name causes me dyslexia. As soon as I say it's, your name, I immediately want to throw that I behind that Z, and I have no idea because I've never met anybody named Bazier in my life. Dude, I have it's no French. idea why. I have, yeah. I have a little bit of French in me. No worries. It's just it's just the the Germans took over the name. Ah, okay, all right. You know they they tend to do that to the French. Yeah, they they tend to take over a lot. Uh, all right, so yeah, joining us is Will Bazer. Uh, Will, uh, if you would, please tell the folks, our listeners, Texas fans, some of them obviously. Obviously, we have some that will be listening to this that are not. So uh, feel free to fill the folks in about who you are, where you are, what you've been up to, and all that. Sounds good, man. Yeah, my name, I mean, of course, y'all have heard Will Bazer. Uh, I, I cover Texas for uh, the Football Brainiacs on texas.thefootballbrainiacs.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at W I L L B A I Z E R. Uh, that's Will Bazer, or you can find, or you can hear me on podcasts in fourth and five, or that's which is on the Hornscast Network. So just search up Hornscast on iTunes or Google, and you'll find my shows where I do basketball, football, all that type of stuff for Texas, uh, and recruiting as well. So awesome. that, that's my little spiel. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that the podcast thing was news to me. You're on what's the fourth and five is what it's called. Fourth and five is the podcast name. Hornscast is the network. So I'm assuming it is a specifically Texas Longhorns podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. All right. Covering football, baseball, recruiting, basketball, all that good stuff, man. Since we since we have uh, so many OSU fans on the set right now, we should have called it like fourth and a mile from when Vince Young broke their hearts that time. <laughs> I was there. Uh, first. Was that in Love Stillwater, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, in Stillwater when he ran down the sidelines. And that game completely flipped on that play, and the rest is history. Yeah, I drank a lot of beer after that. <laughs> I would have, I was, too. I don't blame you. I was you. there, yeah. Probably like me after the USC-Oklahoma yeah. game. Probably in a corner somewhere drinking until you can't stand straight. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, that, that would have been a good one. Fourth and a mile with Vince Young. 
fourth uh, and mile. Yeah, yep. Now, fourth and five, is a little, it rings a little bit more in the uh, Longhorns' hearts, you know. Is that the uh, USC touchdown? Is that That's the USC five? touchdown. Okay, fourth and five. Exactly. I didn't remember how many yards it was. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that, that definitely, man, that was uh, – I watched that. Yeah, I, and, you know, obviously, as we've talked about offset, I am, you know, clearly an Oklahoma fan. They're Oklahoma State people and alumni. Uh, I know to this day that's still the greatest game I've ever seen, probably. Yeah, no worries, man. I mean, everybody uh, makes mistakes, you know. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I just wanted you to understand from an Oklahoma fan standpoint, that's still about the best game I think I've ever watched in my life. That game was just, you know, and obviously having ties to the Big 12, I was pulling for Texas in that. And on top of the fact that they destroyed Oklahoma the year before, so I was rooting against anything USC at the time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that game was absolutely incredible. So, um, all right, let's roll into this year's Longhorns, obviously. Um, you know, uh, there, almost I came into the show almost like where to begin, uh, because obviously there are some consistencies, there are some things we know, and I feel like we're going to ask you some questions that really you're just going to have to guess at, and that's part of the downside of having to do these preview shows, you know, as early as we have to do them to get them all in, because there's a lot of things we don't know, there's a lot we'll learn in after media days, and then there's some things we just won't know until kickoff. But uh, just kind of starting out, this is obviously a basic question. Uh, I'm sure you've gotten it a lot, and you're going to get it a thousand times more. But I'll ask it the best way I can to keep it from being too boring. Uh, in your opinion, who do you think the starting quarterback is? And if you don't know or won't know, um, you know, what do you think Tom Herman's, you know, what or who do you all do you think is involved in it? And uh, what direction do you think Tom Herman will take with this quarterback situation? And how long could we possibly see this thing last into the season? Uh, probably one game, and it's going to be Sam Ellinger. Uh, I, I think Sam Ellinger is the guy who fits best in this offense. I think Tom Herman wants to see him be the starting quarterback for Texas. I think uh, right now, you know, they're keeping Shane Bouchelle around because Sam Ellinger is about as uh, durable as an egg. Yeah, but seems uh, to be. so it, you know it's it's interesting because if it's not so much will he start, it's how many games will he start mm-hmm. for Sam Ellinger. And honestly, at this point, the red shirt rule, the new one with the four games played by a guy who can still keep his red shirt, that might come into play for Texas and be interesting to see how they do that with their two freshman quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, I think Sam Ellinger, the type of quarterback he is, with a line that could have a lot of holes in it. Uh, if he cleans up the mental part of his game with making mistakes, like I'm sure you Oklahoma State fans love him, <laughs> uh, you know, if he stops making mistakes like that, then Texas could be in a good position with their quarterback. No, definitely, but, definitely. One thing with Sam Ellinger is obviously you talked about the injury problem. You know, how how about you – know, I've heard many rumors, I guess, kind of floating around about his concussions and different things. Is, is there really a serious thing going on in Texas, like a serious, um, you know, worry that, that this might be something that's actually could take him away from the game? I mean, I, I heard someone kind of bring that up on an Oklahoma radio show, and I said I don't know how true that is, but I was just kind of curious. Is, is there really a, such an issue like that down there? I mean, sure, that could happen to any player, though, if you get too many concussions, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. it happened. It's happened to Texas before with David Ash uh, back in the 2014 season, I think. You don't quote me on that, though. I guess we are. But uh, yeah, if, if he does get too many concussions, yeah, man, he could be out of the season. He could be out of the a year, and he could be out for ever. So you don't know. Uh, he does have. He has gotten that one really bad concussion. Uh, last year and 
Uh, they might have brought him back in too soon. Yeah. And, you know, it's just he has to be more careful with his body. However, that's not how he plays. So that, that's, that's one, the reason there probably is a concern for that. That's one thing I wanted to get at, too, real quickly, why we have somebody who's kind of involved in that. Um, we never got or ne- we never saw publicly in the minutes of a concussion. Maybe we just missed it. But uh, the question, you know, kind of going along with this, you know, do you feel like he definitely was concussed? Because it sure as heck looked like it, especially with the shot we had with him. It looked like his eyes were closed on the sidelines. But then also the Oklahoma State game, there was another shot uh, that he took that, you know, he awfully, he looked awfully woozy, woozy there too. But a lot of people wanted to um, kind of point to that last play of the game as, well, he was out of it mentally, and that's why he made that errant throw there to lose the game to Oklahoma State. I'm not willing to go that far. I think the kid may have just been overwhelmed at the end of a really a war, a tough game with the two of them. Um, I can't go far enough to say, well, he was definitely concussed, and that's why, why he made that bad decision there. But in your opinion, did he have two clear concussions? you know as far as you know or as far as you're willing to say and uh obviously if so that's gotta that's gotta lead to some concern about because we all know now uh in the era that we're in as you have them the easier they become to get yeah i i don't know when exactly he got the concussion i do know they ran him through a uh state-of-the-art concussion test that uses uh i don't know it it tracks the eyes Mm, the baseline Uh, testing and all that What's up? Is the baseline testing and all that where they have, you know, they record your stuff when you're sober and then paranormal? They they have a special – they're one of the only schools in the country that have this thing he's talking about. It's something that they actually oh, exactly. machine yeah, or something. Oh, okay. oh yeah, 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 I've seen them talk about that on NFL Live. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I apologize. Go ahead. Yeah, it's Stanford. You has it. I think Texas has it. I think there's one other school that has it, and it basically looks at your eyes. They ran him through that. He was cleared. And they threw him back out there. Uh, the last play of that Oklahoma State game, I did break that down. And I, you could probably find a tweet at that somewhere. But what happened there was there was a wide receiver streaking across. Mm-hmm. And he mistimed his throw. Yeah, uh, He shouldn't have even thrown it. But he thought the wide receiver was coming. The wide receiver stopped. He threw anyways. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody there. So yeah. that's what happened with that play. Uh, not a great decision on either the parts. But... Sam Ellinger should have known better. No, so, definitely. Is there a problem there? Uh, you know, is there a problem? I, I, Texas, I don't know. I, I can't say that, man. I, I don't know the inner workings of, of the program to that extent, so I can't say. Okay. I was just curious. Uh, you guys had a perspective on it. Maybe it's a little closer to the situation than we are. Colin, you, you up? Yes, I'm up. So, uh, in my opinion, how they actually keep Ellinger healthy this year is they're going to have to establish some type of run game. You know, you had Foreman leave after he ran for 2,000 yards two seasons ago. Last year, the Behind run game. Behind a crappy O-line, mm-hmm. I right. say. Yeah. Right. And, and one of the youngest in the country at the time. Right. And so, last year, the run game was basically non-existent, and I felt like, you know, a lot of pressure was put on Ellinger to make plays with his legs. This year, hopefully, that's not the case. And I'm looking at my copy of Phil Steele here right now, and he has Keontae Ingram listed as a starter. Do you think he could actually come in and start as a true freshman, or is it who? Who do you think is going to be the starter, and what do you expect from a run game? This I, I don't think Keontae Ingram is going to be your starter, not at least right away, unless he really shows up. Right. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Daniel Carter is your starter at running back. He really did pretty well in some games last year. Uh, I think he is your best all-around running back at, on the campus right now. They do have Trey Watson as well, who uh, he did. 
all right at California, and I'm not expecting him to do really great at Texas or blow up or anything. However, you know, it's it's some good depth for Texas of that running back position, which they seriously needed. Toniel Carter as well is a guy who can hit a home run. You just have to hold on to the ball and be able to find a hole. Uh, so, which, you know, two pretty important things for a running back. But Daniel Carter, man, I think is the guy who is going to be Texas's primary ball carrier. And I think, I think he'll do a decent job, I would say, somewhere around the lines of 700 uh, to 900 yards because Tom Herman is going to want to run that ball a lot. Uh, last year at wide receiver position, we were really expecting uh, little Jordan Herford. We, we watched him last year play, and, and we see little glimpses at times where he, he would make some plays, and we were kind of hoping he would kind of break out a little bit more. Um, do you expect him this year to kind of take that next step and, and be a go-to receiver? Yes, I do. I mean, he is probably Texas's best offensive weapon on the field at any given point. Uh, uh, two reasons he really didn't break out last year were due to the fact that he was sharing time with Reggie Hemphill Maps, who is a phenomenal wide receiver. Uh, unfortunately, he and the staff, uh, they didn't work out. And so he left, and now you have the sole slot as little Jordan Humphrey. The other thing was they didn't realize that little Jordan Humphrey worked well as a slot. I mean, you see that type of size, mm-hmm. and you don't imagine that you're going to have a slot with that with that type of size. So when they finally were like, okay, we need to get Colin Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey on the field at the same time, that's when little Jordan Humphrey started to break out. Do I think he's going to do it again? I, as I said, yes, and I for the very reason that He's not going to be sharing time with Reggie Ampill Maps anymore. Uh, he's got a year under his belt. Uh, he's basically Texas's offensive weapon. You saw it in the spring game where they used him as a running back. They use, I don't know if he threw a pass, but they used him all over. He can play X. He can play w- slot. Uh, either he can play running back, halfback, anything. So I think Reggie Hampill, uh, I think little Jordan Humphrey has a breakout year. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on him, especially the media, as I saw in that poll. Oh, mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of wide receivers who are really good. Um, but I I think he's you – know, I think Colin Johnson as well is going to give him some room to work because he's going to – Colin Johnson is also going to be really good. So, uh, yeah, I, that's it. I think that's – that's an answer. There you go. <laughs> the end. No, that's fine. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned a guy I was getting ready to ask you about. Colin Johnson, man. For the last two years, I've been seeing him praise. Yeah, Colin's it, been just, like, practically shoot, like, flying sky planes over the stadium about, hey, he's the best ever and all this stuff. Is, and, is he going to establish himself as a legit number one in the Big 12 this year? If he's consistent, yeah. Hey, that's the thing is yeah. Colin Johnson, man, he can make you – he can drop your jaw. But the fact is, is he has a lot of trouble keeping the consistency. Like Bert. Uh, whether it's getting his head around in time, uh, making simple catches, or just pulling in the catches that he should. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll make that highlight real play like he did against USC a number of times. But then he'll have another game where the right after he'll have two catches. I think there was a – I said it in my show, there was a – Stretch through the season where he had seven catches, two catches, seven catches, two catches. So it's just a matter of can he be a consistent ball-catching threat 
Or is he just going to be that guy who shows you flashes of what he can be? And I think this year uh, he has the potential to really kind of put it together if he can get uh, some of those easier catches down. No, definitely. And this is not necessarily my question, but also, guys, let's get real. How much of these problems are the quarterbacks? Right. I mean, it's not like they've had a Baker Mayfield or Sam Bradford or Colt McCoy or Vince Young or – you know, on and on and on, throwing at them. It ain't like they've had that kind of quarterback play well, back there. Either, either. Yeah, there, exactly. Yeah, and you're seeing different quarterbacks constantly. I mean, going back to the David Ash debacle. I mean, how many different or Garrett Gilbert, I guess for that matter. How many different quarterbacks? So yeah, I, I think it's uh, okay. Well, here's the one for you. Since we're on receivers, we all, I think, pretty much across the board, guys in the entire group, not just us, but all of us. Pretty much felt like Texas was the second best uh, receiving core going into last season in the Big Twelve. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, agreed. Okay. With that said, you feel like they still have the talent here in place to do that. Are they that good, or did we overlook them? I think they're better, honestly, than last year. They are a little less. They have a little less depth than they do last year because they lost Armonte Foreman, uh, Lorenzo Joe. And D, uh, Dorian Leonard. Mm-hmm. However, who that's two Z's they lost. And I believe Armonte Foreman played slaughter X, X at yeah, times. I was say, he was an X receiver a lot. So, yeah, he. I think this year with your first three being Colin Johnson, little Jordan Humphrey, and John Bird or Devin Duvernay. Uh, who Devin Duvernay is starting to look like a what star. he was promised to be. Yeah. And... I think with that three, you're starting to look at something really good. The coaches love Davian Curtis. Uh, I think Gerard Hurd is severely underrated. And if Colin Johnson goes down, then you move little Jordan Humphrey over to X, and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. I think Texas has the tools to really do well with the wide receivers. They're just a lot more talent there this year than there was last year. There's a lot more depth last year. This year, the talent's there. No, definitely. Um, okay, kind of rolling over to the offensive line a little bit because that's obviously what we have to get at with their recent history and, uh, you know, the good, the bad, all of it. Um, you know, you guys lost um, – oh, I've lost his freaking name. The really good left tackle. Connor. <laughs> Connor, yeah. Connor Williams. You guys lost Connor, obviously. Uh, that was the big note. You know, everybody, oh, man, we got to worry about replacing Connor. Either the best or second best, depending on where you stand, left tackle in the entire league. Um you know, you guys return a lot of experience, but again, it's experience that hasn't necessarily been that great at times. Uh, you honestly, sent the quarterbacks running for their lives in several occasions against, you know, what I would call not necessarily great defenses or defensive lines. So, uh, you know, how much are we expecting out of this offensive line? Yes, it's it's returning a lot of experience. It's going to end up flipping the script and finally being one of the more experienced groups in the country, but. Yeah, oh, and on top of that, you add, you know, transfer Calvin Anderson. How much are you expecting out of him? You know, what what do you expect out of this line this year? So going back a few questions, when you're saying, you know, the wide receivers are having trouble because of the quarterbacks, I think it's more so the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think the offensive line has been Texas's biggest problem, and mm-hmm. they have tried to bring in the biggest names to fix that, mm-hmm. and it just hasn't seemed to work because – when you have a different offensive line coach every single year, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to maintain the knowledge. Everybody's using different terminology. You're learning different offenses. Yep. 
as an offensive line unit, you need to be a unit. You need to know your assignments. You need to know the plays down to a T mm-hmm. and be able to trust the guy next to you and the guy to your left and your right. When you don't know who the guy to your left and your right is at a given game, because Texas last year didn't have a single starting five offensive lineman for the same two games mm-hmm. in a row, then it's going to be difficult on that offensive line to congeal and to be effective. And that's why you saw a lot of the time miscommunications between the offensive line resulting in quarterbacks running for their lives. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, hopefully they have a lot more consistency throughout the line. They should have better depth. Now they don't have a Connor Williams, and Calvin Anderson is coming in to take over that role. Uh, immediately, and he should do well because I think at Rice he could have gone to the NFL, but he would have been a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick, and he was like, I can do better than that. And honestly, he can. So if he's able to really live up to his potential, then I think Texas has a pretty good left tackle position there and a backup in Samuel Cosme if if Calvin Anderson goes down. Mm-hmm. Now, the rest of your offensive line, given that left tackle position, which Texas was really trying to figure out last year because they had no depth and everybody behind him was a freshman, now you have depth throughout most of the line except for center, and even then they, you're playing around with that. Left guard is Patrick Vahe, who has honestly been a little bit disappointing to me. Yeah, me but, too. I was going to ask about that. It, but the thing is, is if he's not doing well, they have Denzel Okafor, they have Patrick Hudson, uh, guys like that who can fill in that spot. Zach Shackelford, once again, you know, going from a freshman All-American. Who I, I don't know if he, how much he really deserved. Maybe it's because he was the best court only or one of the <laughs> few centers who mm-hmm. was a, a freshman. But uh, I think he really needs to figure out his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to be better at communication. He needs to understand his assignments a lot better. Uh, and not not get uh, distracted by the crowd noise. We'll no. say that. And and then the right guard position, you're in the right tackle position are kind of intertwined. You have Derek Kerstetter and Elijah Rodriguez who are kind of fighting either side. I think Elijah Rodriguez might end up at right tackle, mm-hmm. and then Derek Kerstetter goes to his position where he should have been last year, and he shouldn't have even been playing. He was supposed to be a red shirt. Yeah. But I think Derek Kerstetter is going to take over that right guard spot very well. And I think Elijah Rodriguez is going to bring some much-needed uh, consistency at that right tackle position. Yeah, Kerstetter looks more like a guard to me physically. Um, oh, yeah. Since you kind of answered my Patrick Vaith question, because I'll, I'll agree. We've been hearing about this guy for three solid years now. Uh, you know, was I don't remember how high of a recruit he was. but He had a great um, freshman season. I was supposed to say, I don't remember what kind of recruiting background he had. I can't remember that far back for him. But I do know ever since he showed up in the Austin, man, we've been hearing all these great things about him, and he's a name you watch every year, and I did, he's just been disappointing. So since you kind of answered that question, you know, I am a huge Herb Hand fan. Guy did great things at Penn State. If you'll remember going back with an offensive line that wasn't necessarily all that talented, um, you know, at least on paper, I would say actually Texas has more talent than they did uh, there. Did some great things there. Auburn obviously had done some great things in recent years at Auburn with that offensive line and that run game. So 
Um, you know, how much are you hearing anything so far about his touch on this group? Uh, is he doing something new, different with them that you haven't seen in recent years? You know, what's what's what are we looking for, or when will we know that? You know, what's a sign that that he's left his mark on this group? I I think you're going to see it more than just on the offensive line. I think you're going to see it on the entire offensive side of the ball. Uh, he has been brought in to be a co-offensive coordinator, and that's what he wants to be, and that's what he's going to be. Uh, he is just a very good offensive mind. Uh, what you're going to see there is a lot of uh, mo- more motion, a lot more running, and a lot more. Uh, it's going to be more. In- it's going to be some more interesting plays in there. A lot, in- a lot of inside zone. He's going to bring in what Tom Herman wants, which is that run first offense, and. I think that's through it's a power spread offense and run first to the inside zone. That's what he's going to be good at. And also bringing in uh, uh, some more power concepts as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that run game. Uh, but I think what you're going to see on the offensive line, where you're going to see his handprints is maybe not immediately in the first game, but maybe a, later down the year you're going to see some improvement because you're not going to improve the offensive line immediately if so it would have already happened at texas because they brought in some great offensive line coaches to do so uh you know joe wakeline is commonly referred to as one of the best developers ever uh so (laughs) it's interesting to see you know that it's you know he did do really well he helped get patrick bahe and Mm -hmm. and uh and uh connor williams to where they are the problem but, with, with that situation was just all the off-the-field stuff, too, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, but I, I think what he's going to do is he's going to be like what he was at Tulsa, where he's the right-hand man uh, for, I think it was Gus Malzahn when he was there, mm-hmm. and, and where he was helping get uh, a successful offensive – he was being a successful offensive coordinator, really helping with the run plays, uh, working in – stuff which was zone based uh like he did at west virginia uh he's also you're also going to see his uh, his fingerprints in the recruiting trail uh he is a ridiculously great recruiter and apparently a really good cook so uh i think what you're going to see is something along the lines of what you saw at vanderbilt or uh tulsa where he works with a guy like malzahn or he works with a guy like james franklin two great offensive minds now he's going with Tom Herman, and they're going to create something that's like a gap scheme, uh, zone plays, uh, zone concepts, run pull it, pin and pull sweep concepts, uh, a, a lot of different zone schemes, reverse draws, traps, all that type of stuff at Texas is what you're going to see uh, in the run game. And with the offensive line, hopefully the better run blocking. And we'll see what happens with pass blocking because that's one thing he's been knocked on. However... I'm not too concerned because pass blocking is one of the easier things to teach offensive linemen for coaches uh, because there's a lot less that goes into it than run blocking. Run blocking, there's a lot more you have to understand. There's a lot more places you need to go. There's ways you need to understand technique to pin a guy a certain position or where to pin a guy, where to hit him even. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how great Texas gets, how good Texas gets at run blocking, how fast. And I think it'll be more around midseason when you start to see some cohesiveness, uh, like Texas's defense last year, where first two games were pretty bad, and then you get the USC, and and all of a sudden the light 
turns on. Right. Well, staying with the offensive coordinators, obviously you have uh, Tim Beck as the co-offensive coordinator. Last year, fair or not, he took a lot of criticism for the way the offensive offense performed. What is his role going to be this year with obviously with hand coming on? It sounds like take on a little bit of the run game. Is he just going to be more game plan? Is he calling plays? I think Beck is going to be your play caller for the first few games and Tom Herman is going to see how that goes. I, I think Tom Herman is giving Beck a little bit of a reprieve because of how bad of a situation he was put in last year. When you lose your starting left tackle, you lose your starting right tackle. And I think you also lose your starting right guard. Uh, so it's kind of in all three of them were pretty important to the consistency of that offensive lineman. And then he was stuck trying to figure out, okay, how do I put together this offensive line to, to finally work? And, you know, it's just too difficult to do, especially when you didn't have the depth that they needed. Uh, also lost an uh, important backup in Patrick Hudson last year. So there wasn't a lot of depth. He was working with Scraps and Tom Herman. They're, honestly, last year, there a lot of different people were calling plays. It, it, so when Tom Herman gets to the last game, the bowl game, uh, he took over and was trying to see, okay, you know, how difficult was this really? And Tom, Tom Herman had trouble. I mean, Texas, the beginning of the game, they had a little bit of a spurt. You know, they, they did really well at the very beginning, but then they started to get dominated by, honestly, a lackluster Missouri defense. So Tom Herman decided, yeah, okay, he was working with scraps here. This is a lot harder than I was imagining it was. Or uh-huh. not that he said that, but, you know, it was a lot harder than people really realized it. So he's going to get Tim Beck some leeway here. And if it gets worse or it doesn't improve, then you might see Tom Herman take over, Herb Hand, maybe even Maringer, probably not. But you're going to see some movement go on there because Tom Herman, you know, he needs to take – well, he realizes he needs to get this turned around in a hurry or else he's in trouble. Uh, last question out for the offensive side of the ball, and then we'll throw on over to the defensive side. Um, you know, starting about, you know, I, me personally, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the S and P ratings that, you know, Bill, um, what's his name, Bill Connolly or whatever it is does. Um, I really like them. Think they're great. I think it gives us a really good illustration on a lot of things. Uh, and one thing that comes out of it is a lot of really fun rankings and are a lot of really fun, you know, rankings and, and situations. Um, Cause S and P plus is one of the best measurements yeah, in, yeah. in all of college football. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I think it's one of the greatest things out there. There is, um, looking at Texas. Uh, one thing that really got them, and we know they weren't a great offense in general. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. But one thing I really thought was key, especially when you talk about the grand scheme of things and how important this can be for a team, they were terrible at the beginning of each half. 115th in the country in total offense in the first quarter, S&P Plus, and 117th in the third quarter coming out of halftime uh, in S&P Plus rankings. Obviously, those are two very critical times in the game, especially in the Big 12 uh, when you start getting in those shootout situations. You can't fall behind early. So, um, you know, what do you attribute to that? Maybe what do you think we could see this year to maybe help them affect that and be a little bit better coming out of the gates? Too rigid of a game plan going into the middle beginning of a game or beginning of a quarter. Uh, I think they wanted to stick to a certain game plan and then weren't able weren't capable weren't willing to leave that game plan until it was too late uh so i think that was and then once they got down to it they were able to 
maneuver around and figure out, okay, what's going on. However, I think there was too rich of a game plan going into the game or the half. Uh, so that's that's what I think led to that. Furthermore, you know, you had a lot of trouble with the offense in general. So it's hard to execute a play, which is what the offensive coordinator is really supposed to do. They're supposed to help get execution down, no personnel. Uh, and I think, like, there's three other things before they gets down to play calling. And I think play calling, I think uh, game plan, execution, personnel, I think game plan really hurt them there. But I think the execution and the personnel were the two things that really hurt them at the beginning of games. Uh, and then they were able to kind of work around that as they figured out, okay, what are they doing on the other side of the ball? Okay. I am interested to see what's going to go on this year now that they have more depth and hopefully more skill. Uh, but I'm not going to say I expect them to improve. <laughs> okay. All right. Switching over to the defensive side, you, you talked about earlier how, how the first two games were pretty rough for Texas. And, and about third game with USC, they kind of started catching – catching fire there and I think you know they switched over to the 3-4 defense which I'm sure was a big adjustment but I don't think people nationally and probably within the Big 12 as well realize how good Texas defense was there towards towards you know from third game on they, they were a really good defense um, do you feel like going into this season this 3-4 system is is you know going to continue to, to grow and, and are the players liking the system better now oh yeah I mean the defense side of the ball those guys love it they love what they're doing they love todd orlando they are super happy like they i i'm pretty sure that that defense might have been one of the best in the country if you take out those first two games oh they were and it was it was night and day between tulsa and usc i don't know what happened but the fundamentals between i mean i can take a look at malik jefferson in that tulsa game where he was hitting with the wrong shoulder, hitting the wrong gap with the wrong shoulder. He was taking a bad line. He wasn't wrapping up. Mm. Go two games later to Kansas State, and then he's wrapping up. He's taking great lines. He's hitting 27 miles per hour or something crazy like that and taking a correct line, hitting correctly, tackling, wrapping up. I think that's one thing about Texas's defense this year that is going to make it great is their ability to wrap up. Uh, they are sound tacklers. They have been taught well how to tackle. They know how to tackle in space, in gaps. Uh, they know where to position themselves. That's what I was most impressed with. Everybody from Gary Johnson down to the walk-ons was a sound tackler. So I, I that's what I think there. But I And I think that execution is really going to help in whatever defensive scheme they want to use whether it's the dime or the 3-4 or the 3-3-5, whatever they're going to use, the execution is going to be key there. Uh, I I think it depends on which team they're going to be playing. You're you're probably going to see more dime with a joker in there than you will the 3-4, mainly because if they're going up against mainly passing teams. And... uh, Tulsa, USC. Oh, I guess USC is more running team, but the rest of the Big 12. So that's what I'm expecting out of Texas, uh, that dime. And it'll be interesting to see if teams really catch on. But I think if Texas can stop the run, then that dime is going to be pretty unstoppable. Because if they focus on, you know, being able to jam up the middle, then they're great for passing downs. 
for passing downs, for running downs, anything. They're not going to let anything get behind them unless you look at the defensive backs, which they let up a lot of explosive plays last year, which I don't know what's going to happen this year. It'll be interesting to see. Okay, on the defensive line, obviously you lose Puna Ford, who was just a basically a stud last year. No, speaking from underrated. O- yeah, speaking so from, underrated. from the Oklahoma State game last year, I felt like you guys were running like a, a one three eight or you know, <laughs> one three seven. Yeah. Something. yeah. But anyways, yeah. Uh, you lose him. Everybody else looks like they're back on the defensive line. I know going into last season, we talked about it in the, before the season that we thought depth would be an issue, but now it seems like depth is kind of a strength of this. Can you kind of talk about what to expect from the defensive line this season? Oh, yeah. The defensive ends are going to be crazy. Passing downs are going to be hell for the other team. You have Brecken Hager, who, my lord, he's a Viking. He's a freak. I don't know what to say about him, but he's maybe one of the most fun players I've ever seen play the game because of the intensity he has and just the antics he has. Uh, I love his intensity going towards the ball. He is just an absolute athletic freak. You have hold on, uh, hold on, Charles. Let me, let me stop you there. Do you think he'll be able to cut his hair after this season? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I, I don't know. A couple if, offensive if defense... linemen get a hold of the handful of it. He's going to. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> if, I was going to say the offensive line, other side of the ball, starts to step up and do their job. But otherwise, I don't know. He, he might have to. Never cut his hair ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, didn't mean to interrupt you. I had to ask that question. No, no, no worries. Uh, I understand. Uh, I've asked him that question as well. But uh, <laughs> I think he on that side, and then Charles Amenahu on the other side, who is built for pass rushing. He has long arms, long frame. He is thick now. He has really come into his own. The curve, he, he, has, hit the, he has hit the top end of that curve. Uh, that you have been seeing from him or wanting to see from him since he got to Texas. Uh, I think those two guys on those two sides are going to be hell for tackles to deal with because of just their raw traits. And then they're now seniors. They've seen this over and over and over again. Now in the middle, you have Chris Nelson. He is no Puna Ford, no Puna Ford, but he's not terrible, too terrible of a step backwards. Uh, he held his own last year. He did very well. You have Gerald Wilbon right behind him and Jamari Chisholm right behind him. There's some great depth in that middle offensive of the defensive line. So, and then on the defensive ends, you also have some depth there. There's Taquan Graham, who's also probably getting in the middle as well, who is a ridiculously good sophomore. On the ends, you have Marquez Bimage, who is just a freak. Uh, the team is really liking Mike Williams, who is a freshman coming in from Louisiana, uh, or he's a high schooler coming from Louisiana. And I don't know if you've ever watched this tape, but I've never seen a guy who's like 250, 260 run 99 yards as a quarterback. It was impressive. So you have that. More Ojimo, they love him. It's just, there's a lot of great stuff that Texas has on that offensive line. And uh, it's going to be fun to see, especially on the defensive ends. Um, you know, on the back end here, we've been hearing about these, you know, and not just these guys. There was a couple more going out before that. But basically since the beginning of the Charlie Strong era, we've been hearing about these great defensive backs that are coming in, and it's going to be a really great unit. Uh, I had been down on them mostly. They did a lot better last year. Um, 
A, I think I thought PJ Locke is going to be great. It's you know it's his last go around. He's a senior. I'm pretty sure this year. Uh, you know how important is he to the to the secondary? And also on the back of that, John Bonney. I just haven't been very impressed with the guy going back to his freshman year. Uh, you know how good is he? Is am I just not seeing something in him? Is there more to him there? Or are they just out of options at that position besides him? I think with John Bonney, it's the fact of they need to know how to use him. There is him and Jason Hall, who, if put in the right position, they did well. However, as I said, a coordinator's job is has a lot to do with personnel. And so them finally being able to be put in a correct position towards the end of last year, uh, Jason Hall being used as a joker, which is a, uh, a safety that's in the box. Yeah, box safety, you know. Yeah. Kind of makes sense, right? But uh, it, those two guys, if they're put in the right position, then they can do well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use John Bonney this year. Uh, if they use him as the safety that they want to, then I think he'll do well coming into the box and being that joker. Uh, I am interested to see that if they do, I think he'll have a good year. Uh, P.J. Locke, you know, it was a disappointing year last year. They wanted him to be the nickel who can take on the tight ends and run with the the slots but he just he wasn't able to do it they moved him back to safety and something kind of clicked in him he if you look at a picture of him and he has one on his twitter right now with earl thomas and uh, i don't know who the other guy is but uh he looks like a linebacker and a nickel body so i i think him as a deep kind of patrolling threat really worked out for him last year towards the end of the year so i would expect to see something now that he knows his role and now that they know he's better in that position i think you'll see some improvement from him so at the linebacker position you guys are returning three of your top four tacklers at the linebacker unit and of course the, the big one you're losing is jefferson so you know who who are you kind of seeing taking jefferson's spot and um you know overall do you think that unit will be as good as it was last year Yes, and let me, you know, it's a small correction, and it's not really a correction, but the B linebacker position at Texas is more so a hybrid defensive end. Uh, it's They patrol the flats, they are responsible for contain, and they are responsible for pass rushing and, and run blocking, uh, run, run, you know, run, run stopping. So... They've moved Mal- Malcolm Roach there, who was a defensive tackle last year, and the year before that, a linebacker. So they have some ridiculous athleticism there. Uh, I've used ridiculous way too many times. They have some very good offensive <laughs> you know, talent there. It's just ridiculous how many times you've used it. I know. It's, it's ridiculous how much talent they have, but they have some great talent with Malcolm Roach, who is a, you know, he came out of nowhere from Louisiana. And... But I think the guy that's really going to be important for the linebacking unit is Gary Johnson. He's the guy who's going to take Malik Jefferson's spot. He's the guy last year who let Malik Jefferson be Malik Jefferson. And I think a lot of the USC game kind of flipping the switch was Gary Johnson going in and giving Malik Jefferson the ability to roam the outside and do what he does best because those two guys together were maybe the best linebacking core in the Big 12 last year unbiasedly i can't think of two guys who i'd rather have as my linebackers than those two guys uh in the big 12 
because Gary Johnson was able to fly through holes. He was able to somehow, you know, get himself skinny through holes and fit like Malik Jefferson. I think he will be a great replacement for Malik Jefferson this year. And you have Anthony Wheeler who's coming back. Uh, who's just he's he's pretty darn good. He was uh you know overshadowed by Malik Jefferson in his class. And now that he's on his own, I think you have a good a good middle linebacker who has a lot of experience who's going to help out there. So the thing is, though, with the they lost Edwin Freeman to transfer, uh, and that could be due to uh, you know next year he doesn't see a lot of playing time for himself, or this year he doesn't see it. But that really hurt them with the depth department because after that they have true freshman Aodeli a day away uh, out of St. Louis, and then behind that is DeMarco Boyd, who is uh, Chris Boyd's brother and uh, you know hasn't seen the field very much. So you're not very good behind those guys. So if one of them gets hurt, they're going to have to become a little bit uh, creative. They're going to have to throw Jeffrey McCulloch in there, who's he's actually very good. He's very good at, as a B linebacker, and then use Malcolm Roach back at Rover uh, or middle linebacker, either one. So they'll have to be creative if one of those guys goes down. Right. Well, Corey, uh, Corey talked to you a little bit earlier about the secondary. I wanted to talk to you about the incoming secondary class. Mm-hmm. I was asking so, about Stearns. Yeah, so you have, I, I think it was the highest rated secondary class ever. Maybe ever, yeah, ever in recruiting. In. Yeah, if not ever, definitely the Big 12, I know ever. So out of these freshmen that are coming in, I, I would assume we're probably all going to see some playing time. Who do you think will make the biggest impact out of that secondary group to just come in this season? Oh, man. Oh, man. I it, That's a hard question because all of them are really good and all of them are already paying off dividends at Texas. Anthony Cook is a very technical guy who is ready right off the bat. Caden Stearns is one of the most instinctive players I've ever seen and a smart dude, just a very smart dude who's super athletic. B.J. Foster, even more athletic. He might be one of the most athletic guys. Uh, He was probably the most athletic guy in the state last year. He didn't even play safety last year because they used him as a running back and he ran over people. Uh, He does the same thing on the other side of the ball, though. He runs through people. I don't know if you guys watched the Under Armour game. Uh, but against some of the top talent in the nation, he was knocking heads. Uh, he looked great in the spring game as well. Uh, I am impressed with all those guys. And that's not even the guys who – everybody who came in. There's also DeMarvin Overshone, who mm. I, they're right now playing him as, as a deep safety, Who, but he could come in and be your joker, your box safety. You have Jalen Green, who I think might be – might have been the best corner last year. Uh, just the fact that he has such a ginormous ceiling, such so high, it's it's unbelievable the talent that he possesses. But he never played corner until he was a junior, so or it was a sophomore or junior. So he just never didn't know the the technical side of it. Once he gets that technique down in two, three, four years, uh, on it's going to be very impressive. Guy who I think is going to make the and most immediate impact was that the question? Yep. Yes. Uh, maybe Anthony Cook, due to the fact that if one of the corners, Chris Boyd or Devonte Davis, who Chris Boyd sometimes takes a quarter of the season off, and Devonte <laughs> Davis until the end of last season, uh, really wasn't a factor until he needed to be. 
both of those guys, you know, if, if they don't do well, then Anthony Cook or Kobe Boyce is going to come in and take over that role. Yeah, that's, uh, one, that's one thing I was going to ask maybe too as part of that is who can we expect to leave that door open maybe the quickest on that side of the ball? I would guess Devontae Davis because Chris Boyd has way too much raw ability. Mm-hmm. However, Chris Boyd, his eyes wander and he gets caught on a routes and uh, it's just something he's missing some mental part of that game. If it, once it clicks, it clicks, and he is maybe one of the best corners out there. And there's a reason he was the preseason, uh, you know, all Big Twelve, because if something clicks in Chris Boyd, then he can be that all Big Twelve player and maybe second or first team All American. Okay. However, it's the fact that it hasn't happened yet, <laughs> and it's been it's caused things like losing to Oklahoma and uh, mm-hmm. losing to Maryland. It's caused terrible things for Texas in the past few years. So it, it it'll be interesting as I you know I've been it'll be Texas will be interesting to see this year because they are the boom or bust team. There are things that can just go so right for them that everything works out and they win the Big Twelve, or if things don't work out. Things could go badly really fast. Yeah, I had to give a, a shout-out to Kobe Boys. He actually came on our show last year. I know you just mentioned him as a possible replacement. There, oh, so yeah. I oh, yeah. About that. Give him a shout-out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now on to everybody's special, or favorite theme, the uh, special teams. So, uh, I thought you were asking about defense. No. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Moving on to special teams <laughs> here. So you lose Michael Dixon, and I, I guess you're bringing in his cousin as the as Rest the next in Aussie punter. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, man. Well, I mean, the guy, that guy, best punter ever. That guy, I was going to ask about. Ever. That guy should have won some kind of award for offense for Texas. Oh, man. I mean, my God, he was I, everything to you guys. Right I mean, how many games do you guys potentially lose without him back there? I mean, I, I would think he's at least got a account. You definitely for don't win the game. bowl game. Yeah, you don't win that bowl game. Yeah, and he's he did stuff that I've never seen a punter do, like. Enough backspin to stop the ball on the one. Oh, yeah. It that was like is, a nine. That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was like a nine-iron pitching wedge with him by the end of his senior year. I mean, it was just oh, yeah. almost like he had a string on the ball and could do anything he wanted with it. It was incredible. And he had that ability from the get-go, honestly, mm-hmm. at Texas. Uh, I don't know. The only thing that Texas fans really remember about his freshman year was that Ohio- Oklahoma State game. <laughs> well, when he took it off his the hand. mask, yeah. And it was just – that that game was uh that game was interesting. I'm wondering what y'all's take is on that with the with the refs and all that. But I'm sure y'all are like, you know, it happens. <laughs> it happened to us the few years earlier. So uh, yeah, we we've been hosed against next. Texas quite a few times. So <laughs> there's usually some funny things with Texas and officials and Oklahoma teams. It all it never fails. It depends on which Oklahoma team it is, but it never fails. So his but, cousin is he same type of punter and everything i mean obviously probably not yeah, as good from but, australia right yeah this aussie style yes, he, yeah. he's the australian punter he he went through that entire school usually those australian punters are pretty good even if they're not michael dixon level they are pretty talented and, and texas was i mean they texas asked okay who's your best guy out there they said this kid it happened to be michael dixon's you know re- a relative so mm-hmm. they're like sure yeah We'll take him. <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, and honestly, I mean, in the spring game, he looked okay. He had a game. He had a really good punt. And he had a, a really, you know, not so great punt. But if he can become more consistent, like Michael Dixon did towards the end of his career, 
he could be a very good punter this year. It'll be, you know, more on and off. But the part talking about special teams, the thing that's going to be interesting to see is the kicking mm-hmm. because it's so up in the air. It is so up in the air. And if Texas gets a good kicker over the past few years, they win eight, nine games. They are a lot better team than what they had shown. Uh, but they just couldn't find a kicker. And last year, Texas took a gamble on Josh Rowland, uh, spent a scholarship on him because they needed a kicker badly, mm-hmm. and he didn't work out. He's back this year. Maybe he gets better. They have another kicker behind that, and my, my, Michael Becker, Mitch, Mike, Mitch Becker. Uh, anyways, another guy, Chris Nagger. And then coming in is Dicker the kicker, Cameron Dicker. Oh, he was that. yeah. That's literally better the best kickers. That's, ever yeah. for a kicker. Yeah, yeah. Dicker oh yeah, kicker. yeah. Dicker That's kicker. like striker as a linebacker or something like that. That's great. Oh yeah, no, he has a great, great name for his job. So, Dicker the kicker, man, coming in <laughs> uh, was the best kicker in the state, uh, one of the better kickers in the country, mm-hmm. and now he's coming to Texas and he's Texas's hope for the kicking position. They really are looking forward to him and seeing what he can do. He is going to have to learn to kick without a tee because in Texas high school football, you're allowed to kick with a tee. Oh, really? I didn't know that. But now he has to kick off the ground. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the, you know, changes to that, but I'm sure, you know, he's talking, kicking with him. It got so technical (laughs) that I was really impressed with his ability to really understand what he was doing and just the the, the minutia of mm-hmm. the kicking game. So it, it'll be interesting to see what you get out of him. But if Texas gets a guy who can consistently hit within 30, then they're going to be a lot better this year, mm-hmm. like a lot better. They're going to start winning some of those close games that they have been losing. No, definitely. Um, and, you know, Before I get to the next special teams question, I had a side note. Do you ever see – if it gets to that point, Tom Herman going to a um, – oh, what's his name? The guy that just got fired from Florida, the head coach, the, the shark humper. Uh, <laughs> McElwain. McElwain, yeah. Uh, do you ever see him pulling a McElwain and bringing people into the indoor facility and fans and, and you know, students and whatnot and offering a scholarship to see who might could pull that off? Hey, that's Mike Leach too. But yeah, Leach did that too. I forgot. I know it's a running joke, <laughs> but uh, you know I don't know if that that'll happen. Do you see Herman as that could. type of person? Does it, to me he seems a little too prideful for something like that? But he, he might be a little more prideful than that. But I I think Tom Herman at some point is going to be like I need to find a kicker, mm-hmm. and he might do that. Hmm. Uh, I don't I don't think it's uh, outside the realm of possibilities. Okay, curious. Um, uh, you know you don't have maps anymore. Obviously, uh, you know, is little Jordan Humphrey, from what I can tell, is he kind of the guy when it comes to returns? Is there somebody, if he takes on more of a role as a receiver, do you see somebody else doing that? Uh, is Burt back this year still? John Burt is back, but he's not a kicker. Okay, as I say, could he, I mean, I know he's fast. Is there, is there somebody else out there that you could identify besides, uh, you know, besides little Jordan Humphrey that I was getting at that you might be a returner if it's not him? Duvernay, maybe. It- if I knew that, then you know uh, it would be a lot easier to really understand what's going to happen at special teams. I don't think anybody knows who's really going to be that returner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Chris Boyd back there. You have Little Jordan Humphrey, Kyle Porter. 
uh, maybe a freshman coming in and taking over there. It's a crapshoot. It, it's really a toss-up. What's going to happen there? And I, I don't know if Texas is really going to have that great punt returner because last year that great punt returner was Reggie Hemphill Maps. He's no longer mm, there. Yeah. And also Reggie Hemphill had a lot of trouble, you know, mentally getting it. He thought he could do a lot more uh, than he than he could. Do so you, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. What, what was the question? Well, what I was going to get at is, do you could you see possibly? There's two different teams we've seen do this in recent years. Oklahoma State, I believe, was one, and I know Oklahoma was one. Uh, do you ever see them maybe getting to a point of almost like a safety like Oklahoma used to do with Sterling Shepard? He wasn't the best punt returner, but you knew he was never going to drop the ball. Do you see them maybe doing that just to limit the field position mistakes? Yeah, no, they did that last year for sure. <laughs> that's that's what happened. That's a large reason you had little Jordan Humphrey back there or Gerard Hurd back there. Also, Gerard Hurd is a pretty electric athlete, so you know you might see them as there as well too. Yeah, no, definitely. But they definitely had that towards the end of last year, where just a guy go out there, do not muff the kick. <laughs> yeah, there, there is nothing more frustrating than that strategy. As, as a fan, fan it's yes. awful yes. to watch. It's absolutely infuriating. I mean, you get the side of it because we would also be throwing beer bottles at people <laughs> if the guy fumbles it and the other team scores a touchdown, but. But when that you have a said, guy fair catch a yeah. punt and there's nobody within 15 yards of him. Yeah, especially when you take the history of some of the returners in this league. They're, over the years, the Lockets and, you know, on and on and on, there's been some amazing returners in this, you know, this league of people just, you know, especially in big games. How many big returns has there been in OU Texas alone uh, in the last decade and a half or so? I mean, it's just uh, so I'm not many. sure, but I know all I know is that, you know, one of my favorite ones Shipley. is that Shipley. Yeah, Shipley. Yeah, no I think each Shipley had one. Uh, in their time, that was huge. I mean, just on and on and on. You know, I to me as a fan, it is frustrating. But at the same time, from a coaching standpoint, you get that aspect of it. But man, how important is it to flip a field when you can? Yeah, no joke. Yeah, but Texas, Texas does definitely does not have a Cavante Turpin. Yeah, no, and if you don't do think you have, have one, I totally agree with the decision. If you think you know, you're going to get one, maybe two on the year that are really crucial, then I say go with the standpoint of catch it and hope it's safe. But if you've got that kind of guy that, you know, a Perkins from, you know, going way back with Oklahoma did all the damage against UCLA, somebody like that, if you've got somebody like that, uh, you know, what's his name from Tech that's played for the Patriots, Fair Welker, you know, if you've got somebody like that you know can flip a field, do it, you know, if it's if it's if the odds there are enough. Otherwise, I, I stick. I say go with the coaching theory, and play the odds, and just know that you're going to catch it is the best thing to do. Probably. Absolutely. Uh, anybody got any other special teams questions before we no. move on? Okay. Uh, looking at their schedule real quick, and we'll wrap this up and let you go, man. You've done a long interview, and we really appreciate that. I'm sorry we've had you on this long. Uh, There's some technical difficulties with Skype and everything else we've had going on. It's been a, a long one, and we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Um, looking at their schedule, obviously right off the bat, as we talked about last week, man, that Maryland game with all the <laughs> hype coming into it, and I'm not just trying to be negative and pick on them. I mean, honestly, this true, true, true scenario here. You know, all the hype coming in behind Tom Herman. Texas is back. Texas fight. We're going to kick their ass. Da, 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 and Maryland comes in there and thumps y'all. Um, obviously that game's got to be circled right off the bat. Um, besides that, you know, obviously the USC one's big. Where do you look at, you know, where are some games we're not necessarily seeing that, boy, you look at it and it really sticks out to you that could be a problem? Or if there, if there's not one that is just, you know, overwhelmingly a problem for you, where is the toughest stretch in your opinion? That's an easy question, man. You have USC, TCU, at Kansas State, Oklahoma. 
that stretch is going to be killer. Mm-hmm. That that is a difficult stretch, mainly because of the history that Texas has with TCU and Kansas State, especially mm-hmm. at Kansas State. Yeah, the weird TCU yeah. Texas is one and I believe six against TCU, scoring an average of twelve points per game. God, almost thirteen bad. at yeah. Kansas State. I mean, they call him the Purple Wizard for a reason. <laughs> he is Purple Kryptonite for Texas. He's, yeah. Texas mm-hmm. does not do well at Kansas State. I don't think I've ever seen a game there that they've done well. It is usually the most frustratingly hair-pulling-out game I watch every year. Boy, when, bet, or every two years when I watch Texas at Kansas State. Say, I but you, Oklahoma, it's a crapshoot. You you never know what's going to happen there. Uh it, you might as well bet on your own team because, you know, you'll like it. So, well, the one it, thing I'll say about Oklahoma, Texas, I've said this to many people over the years, it's gotten to the point where, A, if you bet, stay the hell away from it. B, yeah. um, it, it, what that game has become, especially in the last decade, is just that that one day, don't look for anything to come out of it in terms of, you know, whoever wins that game, it may not mean crap for the rest of their year. Uh, it's just been, it's you know, there was years in the past where, you know, you win that game, boy, you're you're on the B line to win the Big 12 and go possibly go to a national title. It's not that way anymore. It's gotten so right. ugly. At least not for Texas. Fight. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think part of that is the Texas situation where Texas hasn't been as good in terms of on paper and hasn't had those expectations. And you, there have been years where you've had an overwhelming imbalance of Oklahoma's coming in really hot. They just really need to survive this and move on versus you've got a Texas and this is their Super Bowl and it always will be, especially in this situation. So look out what could happen. And, you know, if nothing else, they've done an excellent job of ugling it up when they shouldn't even have been in some of those games. And it's made for, one, a great set of games that – I'll be honest, there were several years I didn't even expect to have close games, and they and they did that. And, two, it doesn't mean anything for the rest of the year for either team. There could be – I, I, especially in that stretch of, you know, 11-ish to about 15-ish, there were several years where – one team came out winning that game and didn't do crap the rest of the year, and the other team came out of that game with a loss and somehow turned around and took off. So, you know, it, it's definitely its own little weird monster that you can't really look the signs out of. Yeah, no, exactly. There have been, yeah. And, you know, I, the thing about the, the Kansas State thing, I, I think it's kind of fun, funny from a standpoint of I bet you guys missed the old days of – the Big 12 North, where you only had to worry about what playing them there about every four years, probably something like oh, that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, and I remember, I think they even got Colt McCoy one time uh, with a really good Texas team, if I recall right. So, um, yeah, they, they, yeah, well, and, and that's the danger anybody has playing them in this league. Nobody likes having to go deal with him, especially if he has a bye week to look at you. It really can get difficult for you. So, you know, definitely, it's not just y'all. It just seems to be y'all worse than anybody else as far as the big powers go against them. Um, you know, the schedule, I, it's hard yeah, to Texas, really. Texas has won in Kansas State over the past 30 years once. Wow. They've played there, let's say, one, two, 15, 16 three, times. four, five, six, seven times. Seven times. That's so, it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. sucks, man. Um, Feels they still... they have they at out of the fourteen times they played they have won five. Wow. So Kansas State is Texas's kryptonite. It is a 
terrible, terrible game to play. I'd be interested to know, not to take anything away from Kansas State or give t- or give Texas a crutch, but I'd be interested to go back and look at a lot of those years and see who it was after, who they played, you know, what the scenario and situation was, and see how much of that led to it. Because there were a lot of years in there where Kansas State was just a good football team. Uh, you know, they won in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Hmm. Texas beat them in two thousand one, two thousand three. Texas they beat can't. Kansas State won in 1998-1999. So that was with Ricky Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kansas Kansas State was pretty good in 97-98-ish. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I could see that. Uh, 98 might have been their best season ever. A lot of fans would tell you that. Um, you know, 2003 wasn't a bad year for Kansas State. Obviously, they won the league. It was league. Mac Brown's first year as well. So Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So, yeah. Um, you know, outside the schedule and everything, I, I know it's kind of hard to judge and look at it. But in terms of – you know, obviously it's too soon for anybody to be talking about Toss and Tom Herman out, but we know Texas fans, they can be really neurotic about these things. Um, what kind of season does he need to have or what does it need to look like? Is there a number on it? Uh, is, it a, just a, is it just as simple as who he beats and who he doesn't beat? You know, what does that need to look like to where he has a peaceful transition, you know, through into the spring next year? If he wins – seven games this year he needs to beat oklahoma and he needs to beat usc i would say that's fair if he wins seven games over the regular season then probably needs to be either one at usc oklahoma uh if he wins over eight if he wins eight games to nine games ten games then it's a good season i think i think texas would be luck would be very happy with eight to nine wins, or they should be, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think this team is quite ready for double digit wins. No, but they are right on the cusp. They are right. Like if everything goes right, ten wins is a pretty good season for Texas. Mm-hmm. If everything goes wrong, then seven wins should be where they end up. No. That's what should be the expectation for texas fans this year no i think that's fair and you know even if it is a nine or so win season which to me is about their peak i think nine and three is about their ceiling but um you know if it is a nine win season but say they did lose to an oklahoma at least you can sit there and regroup and go okay yes we lost oklahoma but we got nine wins now we just need to figure out that puzzle and we're good to go you know so i would agree you could take that into transition and be okay with that into the offseason so um, yeah, I, I'd say that's fair. For me, nine and three is their peak. You know, I'm looking for about a seven and five, eight and four year out of them, unless there's just a couple of games where the ball bounces right for them in a couple of those key situations, like the end of the OSU game last year, for instance. You know, if that falls in the receiver's arms, some of those kind of situations, if they can just get one or two of those things to go their way, man, you're looking at possibly nine and three, ten and two. I, you know, I hesitate and, to get and the like ten I and two, said, but... if Texas gets that kicker, they win games like Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, mm-hmm, no doubt. Uh, they uh, there are a lot more games like that, that they win. Uh, so and and USC, they win USC for sure. Mm-hmm. So those are three games, three huge games. Texas could have won last year with a consistent kicker, which they did not have. A guy who could hit for twenty yards out, they did not have that. No, definitely. So they had to go for it on fourth down every single time, and then you come out with zero points, and you end up losing by two four points you know mm-hmm. uh so it, it's it's difficult for texas and uh, if, if once they get if they get that down then i think they can turn a corner and, and get up to what what you know texas fans want 
Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, that's all we've got for you uh, for this particular interview. Uh, we got Jockstrap's got his big three for you real quick. Um, Shoot him. You, you definitely, you guys don't have anything else for him for them? No. Okay. Go ahead, Jockstrap. We'll uh, let you ask your questions, and we'll let him get out of here so we can finish. Unlike the Oklahoma band members, does Texas does the Texas band members play more than one song? <laughs> yes, they do. They play uh, quite a few songs, man. They play... Uh, uh, no, obviously the stars at night are big and bright. You know, I've been working uh, on the railroad, whatever that. Yeah, yeah, deep in the heart of Texas, they play uh, the March Grandioso. They play, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, obviously the you know the eyes of Texas are upon you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they play Texas Fight, which is basically the eyes of Texas upon you really fast. And um, <laughs> they, they have a lot of different other things that they that they. They play like the the monkey drum or uh, different stuff like that. So yeah, they definitely play a lot of different music. It's 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 actually fun to listen to the band for Texas. Actually, uh, <laughs> I'll be surprised if they don't start playing the soundtrack of anything of Matthew McConaughey's movies. Yeah, start playing all Days and Confused songs and all that. It, it's actually interesting. I mean, this year uh, with Crystal Conte as the athletic director, they're wanting to use the band more than they have in the past. They're taking out more ads from the game so they're taking them out cutting down the script of the game because i don't know if people i didn't know this personally uh before i really started getting into this but they have a script for the games where they go okay on you know the third down of the second quarter at 10 10 under 10 minutes we'll play this ad Really? So a script that that kind of they're taking that out. It was like something twenty six to forty pages long. I don't remember what it was exactly, and really cutting that down. So more band music is what you're going to see at Texas. Well, you know, OU's band has a, uh, a script one also. page script, right? It's the flow chart that anything that happens, they play that song. Yeah, exactly. I still think that sign. I still think that sign. Yes, Boomer Sooners played way, way, way too damn much, but. Um, that sign I thought they had at the Auburn game a couple of years ago was hilarious. Where they finally played over a thousand songs. Did you see that? Yes, I did. The the uh, Sugar Bowl they played it over a thousand <laughs> times that season, which so, is just insane. What do you, what do you think? Did did ESPN mention Trey Young during Oklahoma games more than they pl- the Sooner band played Boomer Sooner? Yes. Which well, that's close. which one was was bigger? That's well, close. Probably since, depends on the time of the year it was. Since Trey Young had a scroll bar at the bottom of the screen mm. the entire dang game. I think when Trey Young started to dip <laughs> uh, around the time they played Alabama in the uh, in basketball, then it started becoming less. But until then, yes, I would definitely say Trey Young was mentioned more. All right, number two. Have you ever seen Bevo horn somebody on the sideline? <laughs> or get hit no, but I know he did charge at a certain player. I think it was an Arkansas player one year. Uh, not this Bevo, uh, but he definitely – and I think he also took uh, a dump on the A&M field. <laughs> he shoots everywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that is definitely – you know, Bevo definitely has a uh, personality. That's, that's for a sure. cotton bowl. I've never, I've never seen him force him. However, um, you, you know, st- keep away from Longhorns, man. They – uh, I've seen we have Longhorns out at our ranch, and uh, they turn their heads and they'll they'll put a hole in your car. I've so heard, I've heard they're pretty they're a little more aggressive than your average cow. I don't know if that's true or not. I know I hate to lump him in with regular cows, but I've heard they're more aggressive than your average cow. I don't know if that's true or not. I've never had any around, but <laughs> they're more dangerous. That's um, for sure. 
Is there real quickly? Sorry, Jock. I gotta know this because it's a rumor that's gone around for years. I'm sure. I don't know if you know this or not, but is there any truth to the fact that Bevo is tranquilized and stoned out of his mind during the Cotton Bowl games to keep him calm? Uh, during the Cotton, I think just I think he's. They give him something every game, so okay. he's not freaking out. So without the cannon so, going yeah. off and all that also, right by his head. Also, Bevo was not named after the branding of 13-0. So hmm. that's another little fun fact. Hmm. Okay. Your turn. Hey, the Texas State song is Texas or Texas. That song sucks. Should there be a petition to have Deep in the Heart of Texas as a new state song? <laughs> I don't think Texas or Texas sucks, man. I don't think that's a bad song. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Deep in the Heart of Texas is a very good song, man. There are a lot of great songs about Texas uh, out there, and whether they're new or old, uh, you know, e- either one of them is a good song. So, yeah, sure, we can start a petition. Why not? <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, Will. Uh, real quickly, can you tell everybody where they can find you again? No worries, man. Yeah, it's been fun to be here. It's you guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. That's Will Bazer. You guys can find my writings at texas.thefootballbrainiacs.com or you can uh, subscribe at utdonors.thefootballbrainiacs.com. Uh, it's a lot of great content there. Team news, recruiting, uh, basketball sometimes, even though the Football Brainiacs, uh, a lot of great stuff. I, we are very good at what we do, and I'm, I'm happy to say that. Uh, so... You can also find my musings and talkings at uh, the 4th and 5 podcast on the Hornscast Network. So just search up on Twitter at Hornscast, on Facebook at Hornscast, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, at Hornscast. That's where you guys can find me. All right, man. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. Uh, We would love to have you back on again sometime if you don't mind. Of course. Okay. Uh, yes, and go, go check out the TFB guys, man. They do an excellent job. Again, I know you guys know, our listeners know I'm an Oklahoma fan. I use the Oklahoma side of it a lot, but the Texas side of it is really good. They're doing a great job, and it is a very quality uh, group of people, a uh, very congenial group of people, and they do have a lot of inside sources and connections like some of your favorite uh, pay-to-play, if you will, uh, sites. So I definitely recommend going and checking those out if you get a chance. Uh, thanks, Will. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks. No worries, y'all. Thanks. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. See you guys. See you. All right, guys. Uh, thanks to Will Bazer for uh, joining us there again from uh, TFB Longhorns. Uh, I apologize for a few of the uh, fuzzy sounds there when he was talking with Skype. I don't know. There was a weird Skype connection thing going on. So thanks for bearing with us through that. Uh, real quickly, you guys, your uh, final thoughts on anything he said, anything you want to add to, anything caught you off guard? Was it pretty much run of the mill? Anything like that? I just thought it, I just thought he brought up really good points. Like any in particular or? Just all of them. Man, okay. I tell you, uh, he got to hundred a uh, grade of a hundred on his his points that he brought up. Anything you guys got? Well, I I I think um, I think he's right. It's right. You know, the defense I think is going to be a really good defense this year. I think they're setting up. 
to be mm-hmm. they're they're really good last year. I don't think people mm-hmm. realize how good they were. Oh yeah, definitely. That, I think that Maryland game really threw everybody off because it was just so weird, and I think it just made everybody think Texas was all of a sudden just junk. Well, yeah. But if you look from USC game on, their defense was pretty damn good. And I think a lot of those casual football fans, much like we have an issue with the Pac-12 from this half of the country back towards the East Coast, if they don't catch your attention attention right off the bat, you're done with them for the year, or it kind of forms your opinion for the year if they take a beat down, you know. Uh, USC Alabama a few years ago. I think that right there gave everybody an opinion of, of of USC. And if I'm not getting my ears crossed up, didn't they finish with winning the Rose Bowl that year after getting destroyed by Alabama in the first game? So, you know, if they're not there to hold your attention from day one right off the bat, uh, you know, you can do that. And I have a feeling that in the case of Texas, anybody who watched that Maryland game that's a fan, a casual fan, somebody that's not going to tune into Texas throughout the year, maybe Big Ten, whatever, that probably formed their opinion of them the rest of the year. And they were completely different. And, again, even in the Big 12, they were an incredible defense, y'all. I don't think you guys understand how good they were. It wasn't just about keeping the ball in front. It was they were physical and took it to people and did so with, I would say, still somewhat short on the depth department, mm-hmm. uh, at least in comparison to the great defenses we used to have in this league. And the question I wanted to ask him and completely forgot, how much longer do they hold on to him as defensive coordinator, guys? Well, as long as they're willing to pay up the money, probably as long as they want to. I think eventually it's got to run out, though. I mean, I think it's going to come. One thing I would like to know from somebody who covers uh, the team day in and day out is how close him and Tom Herman are. Is that relationship enough to keep him? Because I got, I'll tell you what, guys. If they turn, even if they go eight and four, nine and three, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, again, I personally, I don't know about you guys. I personally think nine and three is the ceiling. I'm looking for seven and four, seven and three, or seven and five, eight and four kind of year. But if they turn in 8-4-9-3, I personally believe he's done there. I think somebody comes and gets him. Um, he's just – he's a hot – you talk to anybody right now. First of all, most of the hot names, especially around here, they're offense, right? Uh-huh. Tom Herman's, your, your Lincoln Riley's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with the exception of like Dave Aranda or somebody like that. Most of them are offensive names. It's not big – it's not often right now this time of – this time in the you know history of college football that the big names are on the defensive side of the ball, especially youth-wise. He's one of them. Uh, so I, I'm telling you, man, I just – I don't think he makes it past this year if – they have another great year like that. I think somebody comes and gets them. And there's going to be some openings in the next year or two uh, at big schools. Get ready. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. There's going to be some really big schools with openings in the next couple of years. If what's his name out of USC doesn't get it done this year, I look for him to go this year. Uh, there will be some other ones, too. You know, I, I, I'm i telling you, Texas fans, you better enjoy it. There's a strong possibility this is your last year with him as defensive coordinator. See, you know, I think to me, he's more of a guy that when he leaves, it's going to be to take a head coaching position. I don't know. That's that, what I'm saying. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I can see that. If he goes and takes a head coaching, I mean, what are you going to do? That's so what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's not leaving for doing yeah, coordinator. Okay, anymore, I don't okay, think. Okay. Um, the only way I could even possibly envision that would be an SEC job because of the players he could get there that he's not ever going to get even at Texas. All the Texas are recruiting really well, but still, let's face it, defensive there's just line. a different, you know, especially defensive lineman. And I'd say even at linebacker to some degree too. There's just a different caliber of defensive player you're able to get in the Southeastern Conference that you're not getting here. Right. Uh, so, you know, unless it's something like that, like, you know, maybe Nick Saban comes calling, you know, or something like that. I could see that. But that's very, very small, very small chance I think he would do it. I think it's head coaching. I think, like I said, I think Helton, but USC, I think he's done after a year or so. Uh, there's going to be some big jobs that are going to open up here fairly soon. And when they do, I think he's going to be one of the top names on everybody's list. So 
Uh, again, defensive guy, if he has that approach defensively, there's enough offensive coordinators out there that are hot right now. He can go hire somebody, bring him in and run his offense. So, you know, we'll see. Um, anything else you guys want to add? Oh, oh, real quickly, your predictions on Texas for the year. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to get my takeaway on it. I think the thing that stood out the most to me was just how realistic he was as far as his expected record. You know? Oh, definitely. Because we've talked to some real doozies when it comes to Texas. Right. I mean, he wasn't pumping sunshine. He was pretty realistic mm-hmm. with that. So that, that kind of stood out to me. Well, that's one thing I, I thought was interesting, too. It took forever, and I mean forever, both nationally and locally for media and the like to kind of realize, okay, Texas is just not Texas right now. Um, how many years were in 2012 where we sitting here locally close to the situation laughing at the ESPNs of the world and the AP of the world for ranking them, you know, starting out like 2021, 20, and then they want to try to say there's no bias. <laughs> it's clearly a bias for teams like that, blue blood teams like that, not just mm-hmm. Texas, a lot of teams, uh, and then especially SEC teams too. When you're throwing that kind of credit in there, just assuming, and again, they earn that to some degree. All blue bloods do, especially blue bloods in the case of like Mac Brown, who were just rolling towards the end of his before his, his last couple of years. You kind of earn that to say we're you know one season away from turning this around all the time, but eventually it has to dawn in and say, look, guys, we're not, we're not, we're just not where we need to be right now. You know, yeah. we need to remanage that situation. The facilities have gotten bad. And I'll be honest, the facility, I mean, you know, for Texas, and I'll be honest, you know, they kind of did a cover-up, put lipstick on a pig with the recent locker room renovations, but nothing like some of the other schools have done in recent years. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State with the renovation they did there. Oregon with all what they did several years ago. Clemson, Alabama, those are all real renovations. Texas did not quite go to that step with theirs, but they didn't improve it enough. Uh, you know, and it's Texas. You shouldn't have a problem recruiting players at Texas, period. Um, you know, it's different. You have a different dynamic there than you do pretty much any other place in the country, whereas the kids who grow up there, they want to go to school there, yeah, period. I mean, kids in Oklahoma want to grow up and go to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Kids in Florida, Florida State, and, and all that. But, man, you see it there unlike anything else. Uh, and even with Texas A&M to some degree, especially in the legacy situations where you've got a kid whose parents were A&M people, you know. So, um, you know, that hot bed of talent, that size of the state, they shouldn't have problem getting players, and, and they're doing it again. So we'll see. Um, your guys' thoughts real quick on their record. Man, this is a tough one because defensively they have a chance. In my opinion, they have a chance to, to – they have the defense type to, to really mm-hmm. push for, for winning the championship in this league, mm-hmm. the defensively. Offense, there's just so many question marks, offensive line, Ellinger, you know, can he stay healthy? Who's going to be the running back? It, it's that's what scares me away from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so ba- based on that, I, I have to say I'm looking at probably about seven and five would be my projection. But if things were to gel like they did last year, the defense on the offensive side, they 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 legitimately have a chance to, to maybe squeeze out a ten win season. Mm-hmm. But it's it's too just too be question marks right now for me. Colin, I take seven and five, eight and four. I think they're mm-hmm. kind of squarely in that mix of the middle of the pack teams. Mm-hmm. That's where I have them. Um, I'm, you know, again, I, I eight and four is about what I have them pegged for. I really think they can do that. The media day is drawing closer to us here. Um, the closer we get into the season, man, the more I personally feel, and I don't know where you guys stand, the league's just not as good as it was last year, in my oh, opinion. I totally agree. Um, and, and there could be some teams and players that develop, and obviously there's going to be some people that show up late uh, to the party and develop late and all that. But where I stand right now, it's a young league. In a lot of ways, especially at the powerhouse programs and all that, uh, you got some younger players and a lot of turnover. And 
you know, again, Oklahoma, I think people, you know, starting with them because they've won the league the last couple of years, starting with them, I think people want to cast a bigger shadow on them than maybe is necessary. Obviously, it comes down to Kyler Murray for a lot of their issues. Oklahoma State, who's been right there competing, I feel like they've got more problems than Oklahoma does. They've got to figure that out. But obviously, quarterback's a big issue there. Uh, Texas, quarterback is a big issue for them. If they figure that out, they're going to go a long way. But this goes on and on and on. Tech's breaking in, you know, some new ones. Well, that, um, that's your point is valid right there the biggest issue with the league this year is last year everybody came in with established quarterbacks mm-hmm. for the most part this year like nobody has established quarterbacks no, except for nobody. west virginia which is a reason yeah. they're up so high uh iowa state's about the only other one that did anything good last year that i mean but baylor has they brewer use, but they were one and eight or one and eleven you right know? but even in iowa state used three quarterbacks yeah exactly yeah exactly so um, that's the problem as I see it. And when you add all that up, that to me gives chance a chance to Texas to have some sneaky wins to where we could be talking about this team finishing about 10-2 and two yeah. and not even realizing it was happening because of how down the other teams are. Especially when you look at the front part of their schedule, there are some tougher teams that are right there in the front. So, Yeah, that, that four-game stretch they have with USC, uh, TCU, TCU mm-hmm. Um, K-State and Oklahoma, th- that's going to be, to me, you're going to know everything you need to know about Texas in that, those four-game stretch. Yep. It, it, that's either going to be the arrows pointed way high or it's, it's uh, you know, just a little bit above a 500 season, one or the other. It's, 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 that's going to be the telltale sign to me. Definitely. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. We hope you liked everything we did on the show at the beginning. Uh, again, we, you know, we obviously announced the four winners, and we will be – Running those off on the, you know, obviously the highest voice in the land, Twitter polls. We will uh, be announcing that on there to see who wants to take home that prize, and we are going to give away. And I'm hoping, uh, I talked to the lady that does our stuff, or my wife talked to the lady that does the stuff yesterday. We should have a sample to show everybody next this coming week of our new shirts, our stickers, you know, anything else we might want to put out. So, you know, winner will get that. Obviously, you'll get to tell us your size and on and on and on. So, uh, we look forward to that. We'll run a Twitter poll. You guys want to run that all week, or do you? How long do you want to take to give the possibility to do that for? Well, four or five days, or do you just want to go the typical twenty-four I'd hours? I'd do forty-eight hours. Forty-eight hours. Okay, forty-eight hours. It is. We will uh, and we will run with that poll, and uh, whoever comes out is the champ. Um, uh, let's see. One other, I was trying to think of anything else we need to get to at the end of the show. Okay, I can't think of anything. Thank you guys for listening to us. I appreciate that very much. We appreciate you very much. Again, obviously, you do have some choices now for Big 12 podcast. Our numbers are showing that you guys are listening and we are growing. We very much appreciate that. If you are, and if you are an iTunes user, please go rate us. Uh, it helps us. It'll help us with our new um, what are you partners or whatever the uh, Armchair All Americans. Who we are a part of, you know, go check them out. AC, uh, ACA or AC All Americans uh, at AC All Americans, sorry, on Twitter. Uh, you can go check out their information and stuff there. Uh, pretty soon they will have a store for us set up where you can buy some of our stuff as well. So, you know, we appreciate those guys for helping us out. Anything else before we get out of here? That's it. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week as we dive into the Kansas State Wildcats. We look forward to the guys from KSO joining us. Until next time, everybody stay by. Bye. Thanks, guys.